0: Ben Affleck's first superhero, John McClane, goes out with a whimper, and better get your booties, because it's Groundhog Day, this week on
1: 302010. 302010, 302010, three decades every show, sometimes associated videos. 302010, 302010, surprises and excitement, yes, we're going to the 90s and 2000s in 2010.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture. Partay, I could say, taking you on a journey through the milestones, the anniversaries, all the great stuff that came out 30, 20, and 10 years ago from this week. This week being February 10th through the 16th, we will be discussing all the cool movies, TV shows, video games, music, and more that came out in 1993, 2003, and 2013. Oh, there's a lot to talk about. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm
2: Diana Goodman, and in my screenplay, I've decided to use Broken Mirrors to symbolize the serial killer's psyche.
0: Man, that's
3: amazing.
2: Yeah, no one's ever thought of that.
3: <laughs> and I'm J.R. Rawls, and this is pitiful. A thousand people freezing their butts off, waiting to worship a rat. What a <laughs> hype. Groundhog Day used to mean something in this town. They used to pull the hog out, and they used to eat it. You're hypocrites, all of you. You want a prediction about the weather? You're asking the wrong, Phil. I'll give you a winter prediction. Holy shit. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gray. And it's going to last you the rest rest of your life. Part of that was
0: true, I found out in <laughs> the end of this movie. They <laughs> did eat the ground. Anyway, man, there's a lot of exciting stuff to talk about, so we might as well just get into it. Once again, thank you to our patrons, patreon.com slash laser time. There's new episodes, Star Wars covering Empire Strikes Back, Superman uh, 2 and 3, two Superman 2 times 2, if you're, you want to be technical about it. Which is good to bring up, because I think the most significant change in a director's cut in a superhero film... We can talk about in this week's episode.
2: I watched yeah, other than that for you,
0: <laughs> and uh, so much, so many other fun things. So uh, give us five bucks; we'll give you a bunch of extra stuff. Let's move on because we got a lot to talk about. Let's begin as we always do in 1993, February 10th to the 16th. At um, this week, Bill Clinton nominates Janet Reno as the first female U.S. Attorney General. Whew! And I don't remember much about her other than how unkind the mainstream media was or should I say late night comedy was to this uh, poor woman
3: yeah. yeah she she was big though I really don't recall an attorney general after her being as big and as well known as Janet Reno was mm, I, that's
2: I, true and it almost didn't happen because Clinton made a thing like I'm gonna nominate the very first woman and he, he nominated another woman and then in her confirmation hearings it came out that she had paid her housekeeper under the table because she was an illegal immigrant and when you're the top cop in the country that's not cool that's breaking the law
0: oh this is before all politicians broke the law. A pre-santos world i see um okay
2: i all right technically yeah and then janet reno shows up and everyone just makes fun of her because she's a she's a big girl
0: big girl (laughs) No longer with us, right?
2: Uh, No, she passed away. All
0: right. And uh, also on this week, Jamie Bulger, uh, the uh, Jamie Bulger abduction and murder in the UK.
2: Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to bring us down way down. Please. At the start of the show so we can come back up to good things because we have a ton of movies to talk about. But this is probably the worst murder ever. Jamie Bulger was two. Jesus. And he was at a shopping center with his mom and started to wander off and two 10-year-olds who were plotting right. this in advance walk off with him wander around town beat on him a bunch and then beat him to death and the question is how do you punish a 10-year-old for murder
0: mm. I'm just glad it happened in, just glad it happened in the uk because here lock him up and throw away the key
2: well they did get locked up mm-hmm. um, until they were adults and then they Kind of, like, witness protection them, basically, of, like, oh, they got man. new identities. Because, obviously, everyone's going to want to fucking kill these guys. And one of them, apparently, straight and narrow. The one that people said, that kid's probably a psychopath, hasn't reoffended. Another one of them has reoffended several times in re-child porn.
0: Ooh, Jesus Christ. Not okay. once,
2: but several times, and is in prison right now.
3: Fuck Dark. that
0: guy. Ah, uh, well can have uh, the dark one.
3: Welcome to your fun pop cultural podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's make fun of the old, shall we? With a little bit of news I found. The times they are a change in. Sears and Roebuck post a nearly $4 billion loss. It's largest loss in its over-a-century existence. So Sears is on the wane 30 years ago.
3: Uh, Even in 1993, Sears was on the downward spiral. Because I I remember in the 80s going to Sears as being a much bigger thing. But by the mid to late 90s, Sears was just like, oh, you're not at all what I remember.
0: My dad was a craftsman diehard. I remember a few years ago I was looking for a TV. And the model I wanted, I wanted an older model for cheaper. And I went to Sears and I'm like, where are your TVs? And teenagers like, we don't we don't have TVs. I'm like, you used to? Did you not? Did you not know what? Do you, what do you even have here? There was nobody in there. And this is like three or four years ago. Anyway, and also, Life Magazine announces it is shrinking its pages, not unlike what our generation saw with Rolling Stone, uh, and will reduce its ad rates by over a third. And I just wanted to remind people that Life Magazine was a thing that existed because it's one of those. Many, many things that have disappeared from the Warner Brothers title as merger after merger has happened. It's disappeared with Time, AOL, uh, Turner. So many things have merged with Warner Brothers. Uh, Life, no one remember. I don't think many- our generation barely remembers Life magazine.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I think yeah. this is right around the time... I think they just start putting out they're just a brand for special issues of old yeah. content because they were such a huge weekly magazine for so long. They have they have some great archives mm-hmm. and they're just like, here's a special thing about um, Marilyn Monroe. FDR. Ooh. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And and they reissue the exact same magazine I've noticed in the mm-hmm. present day. It's like, here's how to be happy. And five years later, here's how to be happy again. It's the same magazine as you made five years ago
0: and i I never noticed until it happened to my beloved mad magazine pick up one of those things the (laughs) checkout counter 17.99 nowadays for a full color life reprinted magazine of reprinted content it's
3: insane i mean what a great business model let me have a time wasting thing that costs 17 dollars instead of the thing that i get for free anytime i want because i always have my phone Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: well, again, I I didn't realize those things were in the decline that early in our childhoods, but it was. So, moving on to the movies of 1993, February 10th to the 16th. Uh Uh-oh, Diana Hirok Trio is out with Maggie Chung, Anita Mui, and Michelle Yeoh.
2: Oh, yeah. There's three ladies, uh, and yo. there's an invisible lady who's kidnapping babies, and then these three ladies are going to have to go kick the shit out of the invisible lady, and they <laughs> kung fu the crap out of everything, and it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're kind of in like a Hong Kong glory days right here, so... Late 80s, early 90s is when all the best Hong Kong shit came out. And, yeah, Heroic Trio* is just fun as hell. And, yeah, uh, Michelle Yeoh, she's been at this a while, guys.
0: Yeah, current, I'd say Oscar frontrunner at this point.
2: Mm, it's her it, It's her and Blanchett, man. And if they want to fight it out on stage, I am all for it.
0: Oh, man. Uh, sorry, Kate Blanchett, you are going to lose. Uh, <laughs> that would
2: be so rad. Uh, Blanchett, she'd have a fair, it'd be a fair fight.
0: Also out this week: Danny Aiello, Diane Ladd, Ellen Bernstein, and Olympia Dukakis in *The Cemetery Club*.
2: So I used to get this confused with uh, the used people that we talked about a couple weeks ago, yeah. and now I understand why. It's like it's another movie that's kind of going for a moonstruck vibe with older actors, some of them who are in *Moonstruck*, and it's about
4: <laughs> two of uh, them. <laughs>
2: Yeah, is older ladies who are all widows and they go to the cemetery every week to visit their dead husbands. And then some of them are getting on and want to date again. And some of them are like, "No, don't, don't do that. That's disrespectful." And it's heartfelt and nice. And I'm kind of shocked to find out it's directed by Bill Duke. Yeah, um,
0: I, odd. I watched a whole
2: bunch of movies, but I was not expecting something this chick flicky.
0: Totally odd filmography, Bill Duke.
2: Yeah, the, the big uh, bald dude with the razor from Predator. Predator. Yeah, yeah. So yeah reviews were like eh, it's charming enough whatever it comes and goes
0: and then up next we have rosie perez marissa tome and christian slater in untamed heart i failed to look into this because i don't like movies with the word heart in it is this the one where christian slater has a baboon heart or some shit yes yes i did see this a long time ago he
2: thinks he does he He thinks he has a baboon heart (laughs) um i mean i think a lot of people thought i was like making a joke
0: but
3: no this is real (laughs) that wasn't a thing yet in 1993
2: uh i think it was a thing i think they had experimented on that yeah but um yeah i I mean it's interesting because it's it's a pretty standard rom-com but you know about sort of a shy weirdo and you know a not quite mad at Pixie Dream Girl, and then their relationship, but it's like so atypical for Christian Slater. Like he is not being the Christian Slater that we're so used to. Like he's he's stretching, and it has been pretty charming. I mean, marissa Tomei and Rosie Perez. Like, come on, those guys are charm personified. I I re- damn it.
0: I don't mean for this to sound creepy, but I just remember little girls at my school thought this was the most romantic movie ever, and this got praised a lot by the uh, lady side of things. And I think even my grandma, but oh, I, all right. So
2: it, it's charming. It It is. I, I mean, it's a basic ass, you know, misfits in love rom-com, but it's yeah. Charming. It has hot.
3: Uh-huh. So Googling around, it looks like the first baboon heart transplant was in 1984. Oh. However, she died within a month of procedures, but with oh. a
0: beautiful so red not... ass. Yeah. No. <laughs> So
2: oh, yeah, I, like in the in the pantheon of '90s rom-coms, *Untamed Heart* is kind of like the sleeper cute one that isn't as popular but totally watchable. If you're into that sort of thing, yes. l- light recommend.
0: I was not because I know what I was seeing in theaters this week. Our next film starring Benji Fall, Sally Field, Michael J. Fox, and I think one of his best voice performances ever. And. Yeah. The last role of Don Amici, I don't think he Aww. would he would live to see the release of this film. Homeward Bound: The Incredible Journey from Walt Disney Pictures comes the story of three extraordinary friends on an incredible journey home. Home is just over that mountain. Wow! I hope you know what you're doing. A journey into danger.
1: Whoa! Guys, wait up! Wait up!
0: Where they must work together. Oh. If they hope to survive, I mean,
1: this is like Arnold Schwarzenegger.
0: Walt Disney Pictures presents Homeward Bound The Incredible Journey, rated G. Love it. Watched it again on Disney Plus. I watched this a ton as a kid. I loved the book The Incredible Journey, and I even liked the original Disney movie that I think came out like two years after the book. But it's something I think we all read in elementary school. The story of uh, two dogs and a cat who try, who traverse the. I think the Canadian wilderness in the book, to try and find
3: their owners
0: uh, because they believe they've been abandoned.
3: So I had no nostalgia for this film. I was a little too old when it came out and I just didn't really watch it. Oh, yeah, I'm the young one. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'll finally give this a shot because I was well aware of it and sat down with my son. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be too slow for him. And he was resistant for the first five minutes, and then charmed. That it well, just—that
0: was my takeaway from because I haven't watched this, and I, we watch this all the time. And I think I, I like go through puberty like months from now, thirty years ago, and I never <laughs> watched it again. But uh, I, I'm very nostalgic for older Disney stuff I saw on. Television, um, And it reminded me very much of, like, Charlie the Lonesome Cougar, about that time old Mr. Wolf, Hoyt Axton narrating animals doing things, which is what the first Incredible Journey was. It was one narrator describing what these animals are doing. But it's this natural... No one's seen the Yellowstone Cubs on Disney Plus. Watch it. They get really high or drunk and watch these old movies that just has a narrator describing what bears coyotes are doing. And uh comedically, they're stealing a pie now. But uh but it gives voices to all the it's the same movie, and what it basically equates to is Milo and Otis with zero animal cruelty, reading the behind the scenes of like how they like every, every measure was made. To protect these animals, you can, in HD on a big screen, you can see the dummies when they throw a dead <laughs> dog into a pit. But these animals were never in danger. I love that, like, to get a limp out of the dog at the end as it limps home, they, like, how they, they hurt the dog, like, they stuck a bead between his toes. And it, you ever done that to your dog or something? Like, put a, put a shoe on it, like, it will limp forever. But, yeah, no animals are harmed. And it, like, JR's a great kids' movie. Look, it holds
3: up, I gotta say. I mean, for one thing, you know this is pre CGI, and thank God they didn't make the mouths of the dogs move in talking. Yeah, because that never looks right. They just go; their mouth are closed. You are hearing what they say. Just go with it. And I, I love that they that can't works. understand
0: humans; they can only understand other yeah. animals.
2: <laughs> no. So all animals are psychic. A little yes. bit, yeah. Doomed. Oh yeah, God. Yeah. And and
0: I think they, it, they they trade in the Canadian outback for the Sierra Nevada mountains. So the movie is gorgeous, and like the dogs. I get but every time you see a fucking fluffy Siamese cat running across the plains like how the fuck did they do that? <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is such a weird thing to shoot, but I had a I, 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 I had a blast watching this again.
3: I got it's a recommend from me. I I'm going through some stuff in life right now and so I was in a mood to just take me away movie, just give me some peaceful, calm, non Frenetic thing, and that's what this movie delivered. It's a charming romp. They do an amazing job of capturing animal moods. Like mm-hmm. you can look at that go- that dog and go, "That dog is sad. That dog is happy. That dog is scared." And I don't know how many takes they did to get that, but it absolutely worked.
2: Yeah, Dang. I just I love. We still. It turns out we we still have Donna michi until the end of the year, until end of ninety three. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, he was 84 when this movie came out. He was in vaudeville with Tex Guinan. Wow. Who was, um, yeah, already pretty old when that happened. And it's so funny that, like, he just sort of popped up and became a star again in, like, the 80s, like, trading places and Cocoon. And yeah, he just sort of stuck around. Like, every kid knew Don Amici in the 80s and 90s. Well,
3: he's got such this calm voice. He's the older yeah. dog, right? yeah. Yeah, and it's just like you are wise, dog. I want to learn your wisdom, dog. Thank you.
0: <laughs> and uh, this this film, I believe, would be followed up with a sequel, Lost in San Francisco, which I've still never seen, despite loving San Francisco movies, having lived there for over a decade of my life. But yeah, Homeward Bound. I think if you got kids, they're gonna love this. That's really easy for it. Just and so will you. It's like very very pretty. A very charming little film. Just very well done. And no animal cruelty. Do not discuss whether any of these animals are still alive. Okay. And then now we have to get to the biggest. They are
2: in our hearts.
0: Indeed. There you go. Indeed. Uh, And then finally, uh,
2: 1993 movies. Oh, can I segue? Please. You know what's what animal cruelty doesn't ever happen in homework bound the incredible journey no one is forcing these animals to drive (laughs) and this move the next movie cannot make that claim he drives and he drives angry
0: drives angry uh the Biggest movie, I think, of uh, Brian Doyle Murray, Stephen Tobolowsky, Needle Nose, oh, Ned, Ned the Head, uh, Chris Elliott, Andy McDowell, and Bill Murray. It's number one at the box office. It is Groundhog Day. Columbia Pictures presents. I may be having a problem. Bill Murray. I'm reliving the same day over and over.
1: In a story about a weatherman yeah. who's hmm. living life what? like there's <laughs> no tomorrow. Don't drive angry because there isn't. I am an immortal. I have been stabbed, shot, frozen, electrocuted. You're God. I'm a
0: god. I'm not the god. Groundhog Day, rated PG. Mm, Groundhog Day, uh, the last collaboration with Bill Murray and Harold Ramis,
3: believe uh, according to Laura. Lore- all right, listeners, make yourself a snack. Sit down. Put your feet up somewhere. I've got words. <laughs> all right. Yeah,
0: I don't know if you listen. Did we say it on Mike at the end of the last week's show? You said something really surprising about this yep. movie.
3: Groundhog Day is the best romantic comedy of all time. Oh,
0: I was. I, you said gave it even higher praise.
3: I will give it even higher praise, but I'm going to go to bat that it is the best romantic comedy of all time. It is a romantic comedy. It is heartwarming, touching, interesting, all that things. For me personally, this is my favorite comedy of all time. I don't say that's universal. I don't say everyone has to agree with that. This is my favorite comedy of all time. And it's in the list for my favorite movie of all time. Depending on my mood, it may be number one, but it's at least in the discussion. It's
0: endlessly enjoyable, and I know Bill Murray's got a tiny bit of stank on him you know, in the headlines. But if you like Bill Murray in movies, this is the best Bill Murray movie, period.
2: Yeah, yeah. This, this is this transition. Greatest. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so many of the ads were basically Bill's back. Mm-hmm. And what I find really interesting about that is that this is also, he has had dramatic roles in the past, but they failed. Look mm-hmm. at Eraser's Edge. But this is, it really is the perfect transition between comedy and drama because he has to do both and he does them so well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: It it, yep. it really paves the way for what he would do with Wes Anderson and all my favorite Bill Murray movies. When I was watching this, I couldn't. The a formula began to appear where, like, Bill Murray's an asshole. We love asshole Bill Murray. And then he slowly gains a heart. So I'm like, wow, this is every bit like Scrooge, Rushmore, Life <laughs> Aquatic. There's a little montage in the middle where he starts doing good things again, but just like. It's a high, a seemingly high concept movie for a concept. I was shocked to find like is
3: not new at all. But like no, but this didn't originate the concept of a Groundhog Day. But it was so popular yeah. that we refer to this as Groundhog Day. Right? You know, uh, you can go back to I forget the exact name. It's like every day's Christmas. Yeah, or something Christmas like every that. day. Christmas is every day, something like that. And that predates Groundhog Day. But this film is what you say, oh, Edge of Tomorrow, Groundhog Day, except Mm -hmm. it's Tom Cruise. Oh, uh, Boss Fight, Uh, it's Groundhog Day, it's an action movie. Oh, uh, death day, it's Groundhog Day, but it's a horror film. I and we I, I believe it as-
0: they even came out with a VR Groundhog Day game last year with none of the cast <laughs> having nothing to do with the movie, but like it instantly describes what you're doing in the game, reliving the same day over and over again.
2: Yeah, now what I, I found really interesting is looking into the making of this and mm-hmm. that there was a real push pull between the original writer and Harold Ramis, yes, um, when he got mm-hmm. a hand on it. That, the, the original script, that's where a lot of the sentimentality comes from. That's where a lot of philosophical kind of ideas come from. And Ramus was like, but it has to be funny.
0: And he has to get the girl. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. It's like, we, we have to make it funnier and and with, you know, a cathartic payoff. And it can't just kind of keep going forever. And that I find really interesting because the movie itself has no plot. If you think mm. about it, the plot is the character development.
4: Mm-hmm. Because the
2: day keeps resetting over and over. So the only thing that's changing is Phil. Yeah. Day after day learning, resisting, going through the five stages of grief, <laughs> which is is we so wonderful see, and in order.
0: <laughs> it, it, yeah. And
2: until realizing, like, you know, no, maybe the answer is not to try to get out. Maybe the answer is to try to, to live use what I've learned to help people and mm. to live my best life and Grow as a person inside without cheap goals of trying to fuck people. And that ends up being the answer, which is so. That's some philosophical shit right there.
3: Yeah. Well, this is an incredibly deep film, which is one of the reasons it's in my best movies of all time list. Every major religion. You can find an argument saying Groundhog Day is actually about Judaism, about Christianity, (laughs) about Islam, about Buddhism. You know, Uh, we have a clip clip from Harold Ramis here that I think does a good job of explaining that.
0: It's a metaphor for a lot of things, uh, which was uh, brought home to me when the movie opened. um, My producing partner, Trevor Albert. Uh, called me on Sunday. The movie opened on a Friday. On Sunday, he called me and said, there there are pickets outside the the theater in Santa Monica. And I said, what are they protesting? He said, they're not protesting. They're Hasidic Jews watch, walking around with signs that say, are you living the same day over and over again? My mother-in-law lived for 35 years in a Zen Buddhist meditation center. I called her right away on the weekend, and she said, they saw it. They, the abbots and the senior monks, she said they loved it, you know. They, th- they thought it ex- expresses a fundamental Buddhist concept. To
3: me, this is an incredibly powerful movie because I definitely have phases of my life that I've thought back to Groundhog Day. If you've never had kids, okay, day 101 of Changing Diapers really not that different from day 301 of changing diapers. <laughs> it's it's really not. I mean, obviously your kid grows and changes in that phase, but a lot of it's just like, okay, this is the exact same thing I've done day after day after day. And it's all about how can I grow? How can I find meaning? How can I improve myself? And- I've been trying to get more into stoic philosophy recently, and a big part of that is accepting the things you can't and working on yourself, accepting that I don't control the universe, but I can control my mood. I can't control that I'm in an infinite loop of Groundhog Days, one after the other at the other. But there's this incredibly moving scene at the end when he says to Andy McDowell, no matter what happens today— or for the rest of my life, at this moment, I'm happy. Mm. And that ability to find happiness in the moment of whatever you are in is so incredibly moving and meaningful for me in a way I can't put into words. Yeah, and
0: that's that's after, I think it's it's got to have the record for a PG movie where the main character commits suicide multiple times <laughs> to, to move on from that. It, but just the, that it bothers yeah. to, like, show those stages of emotionality mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and still keep it keep it light.
2: Yeah. Well, I've, I've heard that the, the one criticism I've heard of this is there's never a point where he starts killing other people. Mm. Well, I don't think that's because unfair. That's bit, okay. First of all, that's heavy. And second of all, is that necessarily him? He doesn't. He, he. I mean, he's Mr. Grumpy Pants, Bill Murray. But is it that he hates other people or is that he hates himself and he's a grumpy motherfucker?
3: He literally says he doesn't even like himself in the film you know that's that's the character and for me personally when i'm playing a video game an area i can act with no consequences i'm not hurting any people i don't like to be bad yep i don't like to go around uh, skyrim slaughtering people i it doesn't feel good to me if i was in a groundhog day i legitimately don't think there would ever come a point when i'd be just like well time to murder (laughs) that's i mean i'm sure
0: he did it because (laughs) No, according to (laughs) Harold according to like what I read, which I I think which I don't believe that what's depicted is thirty-eight days of Phil's life. No,
3: no, no. Okay. So there's been multiple accounts of this. In the DVD commentary, he said he thought it was twelve years. Then later on he said, you know what, that's too short. It's thirty-five years. The screenwriter originally wanted it to be 10,000 years because that's very important to Buddhism. Which I I
0: believe that's – if you've seen the movie Palm Springs, which is great and mm -hmm. owes a lot of credit to this, that is how long Andy Samberg was in the time, (laughs) thousands
3: of years. Well, the the thing about Palm Springs is once Andy gives up and just starts drinking – it literally doesn't matter how long he's in there because every day is just another day of being drunk he doesn't advance he doesn't change so much better place to be stuck too
0: by the way like beautiful day in palm springs at a pool at a party
2: uh, (laughs) okay pennsylvania is cold and my God, i I didn't even think about how the weather changes all the time because it's winter and it has to look like winter but all the shots of the weather have to match because it's the same Day, so it can't be slightly more cloudy in this shot. So that it's was gotta be the that same. That was fascinating.
0: They, they, all oh! of those shots are done in the same setup. Like mm-hmm. every, every time you, it, Stephen tobolowski is there for a day. That all those scenes were shot back to back as the weather was like apparently pretty terrible, <laughs> and that snow is natural. But I, again, I, I, Ugh. I saw someone online say it's like roughly thirty eight to four. But like he describes yeah. other days we do not see, yeah. and Harold yeah. Ramis. Well,
2: and how- how long does it take for you to get good at piano? It does not 10, take ten thousand hours. Days, yeah. No, no, no. But it long? it
0: only depicts thirty eight days. You were asking about yeah. whether or not he killed somebody. I say he probably did, no, and they didn't show it. I don't. You believe I what you want. I but there's a, there's there are thousands of days according to everyone that we did not see. Yeah,
3: this yeah. is true. My my own head cannon is that he was there 10,000 days. I just like that as a round number, and that's 27 and a third of a year.
0: Harold and, Ramis uh, I, like, said a billion different things, but yeah. in the later years, yeah. of his life said 10 years. And it ultimately doesn't matter because that is purgatory that is afterlife basically (laughs) that it's all going to bleed together but
3: uh the the whole point of the movie though what the screenplay was asking was here's a man who needs to change but he can't change in his own life so let's give him extra life the screenplay was actually inspired by the vampire Lestat Lestat yeah Lestat changes over centuries but the world changes around him and the screenwriter was like well How could I change that so the world stays the same, but my character has a long time to change because he needs more than one lifetime to change and develop. And that's another amazing thing that I love about this film (laughs) is because Phil realizes that when you're helping others, you're not just helping them, You're helping yourself become a better person, and that's a hard thing to learn. Mm. And it may
2: take a
0: thousand days. Yeah, (laughs) well, that's—I
2: mean—that's where like the Jewish philosophy comes in. The idea of healing the world is healing yourself, and obviously, you know, the idea of reincarnation—you know, this the wheel of karma has to go around to learn enlightenment. I also like—I read there's for for a wacky schmackity comedy. There are a lot of like serious pieces written about this like dissertations yeah. written mm-hmm. about this i've going read out it from different ways. About but one thing i never thought of before is comes up in counseling and addiction and the idea like this is a great metaphor for people of like if you hmm. you need to be the thing that changes because like you can't get out of this abusive relationship because it's just going to be the same thing day after day after day you can't wait for other people to change you have to be the one that makes the change like Oh, this is just a solid metaphor for people facing up to their problems. 100%.
3: But, you know, I I feel that once you're out of your 20s, I feel like a huge percentage of people live Groundhog Day lives. You get up, you go to work, you do the same thing at work, you talk to the same (laughs) people at work, you eat the same food, you know.
2: Especially, I saw this come up during the pandemic of how every day felt the same. If you were in lockdown and you're not going anywhere every fucking day that's yeah, it, i did not know what day it was
0: everybody had a symptom of depression uh, yep. during the pandemic it's just it was unavoidable and what i really like about this mo- cuz i remember I, I i saw this in theaters rented mm-hmm. it came on tv and then in the dvd era i remember like wait what about groundhog day groundhog day was awesome and it was only as an adult i'm like this is really good. And I, I like. I took all those screenings for granted and I knew going into my watch here that I was going to like it. But what it was really heartening to read is that this is famous all over the world. I think when Bill Murray dies, globally, this will be what he's remembered for, give or take a Ghostbusters. And, and, and that, that Germany, for instance, doesn't have a Groundhog Day, but they came up with some kind of proverb based on this movie that people in Germany... Know what it means and say it to one another, like <laughs> as some kind of affirmation, and it comes from this movie because it's it, this is popular everywhere. It speaks to everyone. Yeah,
2: well, I think it's it's one one of the uh cable channels in the UK. Every February second, they just run it for twenty four hours.
3: Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, they
2: don't have Groundhog Day there either. I mean, yeah, no. On. no one right, really let... cares about Groundhog Day even in the US. So come on.
3: Let me ask you something, okay? Right. If You could voluntarily be in a Groundhog Day situation for as long as you want. Assuming you're in good health, let's just go today. You could repeat today as long as you want, but you can't go shorter or less. How many days would you like to repeat in a row?
0: I don't know, but I definitely want the Palm Springs scenario because even then...
3: No, today, you're in Florida. Just
0: saying, Sandberg has Netflix, whereas Bill Murray had Heidi Two, a movie I found out (laughs) did not exist to see over and over again.
3: But no, it's you, Chris. You can watch every movie on Netflix if you want because you have Netflix. Uh, Yeah, you can fly anywhere. You can fly.
0: But 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 I mean, but now I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying because depending on where I am, like if
3: I was at like the beach, yeah, I just say indefinitely. Like just no, no. See, I really think that's a great point about Groundhog Day, where Bill Murray says, "I was on a beach." we ate lobster <laughs> why didn't We it made love that? like sea otters why couldn't it have been that day that day would have gotten just as boring as he got right. in yeah. Satani. but today okay chris how many days would I you like know. to repeat it <laughs> why are you asking me to sentence myself
2: oh, <laughs> i honestly a lot because yeah do i get netflix do i have the internet yeah. then yeah again Indefinitely, I have a movie list.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like—I don't know if it's the way with all adults, but I constantly feel behind with everything in my life. Yeah. So I just—I, uh... I don't know, because I guarantee if mm-hmm. I got ten days, I'd probably waste four. <laughs> and yeah. and
2: oh, at least also, do my if I repair something on the house, does it stay repaired? Because no, then it's, it's completely Day. indefinite. Oh well, then fuck that. Yeah, I'm just watching movies and um, trying to learn French again.
0: Oh my, yeah, and my I'd, game saves revert? Oh no. Yeah,
3: your game saves revert.
0: <laughs> oh no. I'll never so finish I'd, The Witcher.
3: I'd go 10,000 days. I'd and I'd learn the piano, I'd learn Spanish, I'd uh, learn Taekwondo and I think 10,000 days would be enough to get some skills, you know, watch everything I want to watch, do it all but not get so tired of it the, that it feels like an eternal. Christmas. There is a, yeah. there but
2: then at the same time, we kind of had that with the lockdowns thinking, Oh, I've got extra time now. And did we accomplish the things that we wanted to accomplish? I fucking didn't. I did a
3: couple. Actually, my wife and I had a fairly productive lockdown. Actually. Mm. I did a couple, but,
0: but there is a it part, this, tough, I think there's a part of, a lot of seeing it as an adult. I, I never used to romanticize like, the same day repeating, just like, oh man, no deadlines? Fuck yeah. Taxes are <laughs> never I w- due. <laughs>
3: I, I, I would love to have a long, long stretch of time where my brain does not shout at me, it's almost tomorrow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> mm. Yep. But yeah. yeah, this 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 uh, this movie's great and it not only made a star out of a recognizable people out of like Chris Elliott and Stephen Tobolowski. I love that it it reshaped what Punxsutawney was like this this was an outdoor like uh like out of town festival it was in the fields it was in the it was in the fields and Bill Murray wasn't kidding they do they did eat the groundhog and part of the other (laughs) rituals but the news to this day still films it like a like a self-fulfilling prophecy (laughs) because of this movie
3: that's why it was such a great choice to groundhog day instead Mm -hmm. of you know Arbor Day. You're never going to replace Christmas with a film, but Groundhog Day, I would say, is far more popular as a movie than a holiday. It's
0: the least interesting holiday that we have, and no one's excited about it ever, except for the fucking local news. That is it. Yeah,
2: Yeah. the local news. Even before this movie, I remember as a kid the local news, just like the last story of the day on February 2nd is, oh, by the way, from Bungstown Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. he saw a shadow, so you know what that means. Yeah, I remember
3: in grade school, being excited about that but we did touch on it briefly but i want to explore it a little more in depth this did sever the bill murray yeah. ramus relationship that existed since stripes is that their first No i think he, even before that um, like uh yeah i think i think ramus been d-
0: yeah ramus yeah. was kind of became known as someone who could get bill murray to show up mm-hmm. because he to I'm, if you've heard those Bill Murray stories, it, it was the same back in the day. I think as as a Meatballs, no one knew whether he was going to – he didn't contact anybody. No one knew if he was going to show up the day of shooting, and he miraculously did. That, that's they had the, – Harold Ramis being kind of the Judd Apatow of his time, just to Daniel Rubin, the screenwriter, like, ah, they changed so much. I mean, but that's what Harold Ramis was good at. He knew how to talk to studios and get funding by – offering concessions that the studio would then pay for a movie for. And
3: he was so smart about it because the studio was like, okay, we need to have a reason why he's stuck on this. And uh, Ramus was Ah. like, okay, uh, it's a a curse from an old girlfriend. We'll put that in. He had them write the scene. And then he set it so that shooting for the scene where they explained the curse was on the very last day of shooting. Now, if you know anything about movie (laughs) productions, they can run over. And so, wow, big shock. They ran over, and they didn't have time to shoot the scene explaining that it was all the brilliant. result of a girlfriend's Aww. curse. Aww. But, see, yeah. the screenwriter would have, like, fought that tooth and nail, and the movie never would have gotten made. But Ramus was smart. He worked the studio system, yeah. and he made a brilliant film. I'm, I mean, obviously, Ghostbusters is going to be the biggest legacy of Bill Murray and Ramis, but this film speaks to my heart. This film touches me in such a way that I will gladly accept that this severed the Ramis-Murray relationship until his deathbed. Yeah. They, They fought over this because both artists were trying to move away from the meatballs and the pure comedy. They were trying to move away from cynicism and move towards real heart, but they were in conflict over that. They had different versions of this movie and they fought about it and it hurt because they were both trying to be real, you know, in their own way. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have a relationship for 20 years until Ramus's literal deathbed, when Bill Murray was told, you go to his deathbed and you make up with this man, or you will regret it for the rest of your life. One of
0: my favorite moments in all of humanity at the Oscars in memoriam, they didn't show Harold Ramis as Bill Murray was presenting the in memoriam, and he just turns the camera, you forgot one, my friend, Harold Ramis. It was this beautiful closure on this, you know, taught, collaborate. And I think that's the thing, what I was describing Harold Ramis is he was, he eventually kind of became an authority figure for Murray, because Mm -hmm. he'd sort of be assigned Mm -hmm. to things the studio was unsure of what he would do, and eventually they stopped talking, and he, they would only talk through the right, the screenwriter, I believe. And I did see an IMDb funny trivia. Harold Her- Ramis would describe the scene, and he's just, Bill Murray's like, Sh- shut up. Do you want good Phil or bad Phil? That's it. That's all you need to tell me. <laughs> and that was that became the extent yeah. of their dialogue on the film.
2: Yeah, well, it sounds like Mur- I mean, Murray's going through a divorce, and he yep. wants to oh, like, yeah. call him late at night and talk about philosophical stuff. And it's like, I have to film this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. have time to talk to you for hours about Samsara and the Wheel of Death, okay? And we're it's in like, our 40s now,
3: Bill. But- but- yeah. Come on, yeah. we're not 20-year-olds. Yeah, Harold you know?
0: Ramis is a, I'm not a movie star. I'm a guy for hire, and we need to get this in. We're not kids anymore. I got a family. Yeah. It's just, it, yeah. it's, and
2: it's constantly happening. You know, this is a comedy, right? Mm. Like, we have a lot of deep stuff going on in this movie, but we can still have jokes. Um, we don't have to be serious. It's, it's a comedy. Amazing. Ha-ha.
3: It's amazing to me how much they fit in both the comedy and the deep stuff because, yeah, I took my entire family to the movie theaters to watch this on Groundhog's Day mm. and. It still holds up. Yeah. The kids cracked up. They—I don't know if it'll ever mean as much to them as it did to me because my son mentioned that he'd seen that premise in like some cartoon or other. And yeah, of course, cartoons yeah. have copied this, but, but for it's, me, it, it's still it's funny. So special. It's still—it's it's, still,
0: still really fun. Like Bill Murray is still really fucking funny, and I just got hit with warmth watching it again. Like, holy shit, I—I I, I lived. I can assure this is going to be a classic film I can assure Mm -hmm. people will watch groundhog day 40 years from now and still be tickled by it. If not, you know, maybe they won't love it, but yeah, I, I, yeah, that I lived through this era of classic film. This is a classic fucking movie. Period. Undeniably. And uh, yeah, I don't know how much more we can say about it. I will say, because one of the times I rewatched it was when I got a 4K TV and Netflix had it in 4K. I couldn't find that when it came time to stream, but it looks really good. It has a good new transfer. You can find it out there. But can't recommend Groundhog Day enough if you haven't seen it in a while. It is a pure delight. Every second is great.
3: If if you've ever taken a single recommendation from me, please take the recommendation. Recommendation to watch Groundhog Day if you've never seen it. It's oh, it's yeah. a delight. But we've... yeah,
2: and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of. I feel like I've seen this before because yes, the concept's been used. Plenty of TV shows the do basis a for Day Russian type Doll, thing. which I don't think. You no, know, you Russian Doll. You got Source Code. You, you know, we've listed a whole bunch, and I recommend basically all of those too. Man, The Edge of Tomorrow is fucking great.
3: Yeah, you know, I I would never want to live through Jim Carrey's liar liar situation or most concepts of high concept comedy films but this is such a wish fulfillment for me yeah. i would i would just <laughs> love like a game. to be in a groundhog day scenario <laughs> yeah, that's true
2: it's also a video game movie mm-hmm. if you think mm-hmm. of it that way he's constantly just responding to the same point over and over and he's nothing he does matters and he doesn't get to save any of his items
0: he's responding no, it and responding and trying to solve a puzzle, it, puzzle. Changes
3: mm-hmm.
2: it changes him it changes him But only him
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, Yeah. big recommend. Let's get into TV, sadly, because there's a bunch here, too. Oh, there's a lot of big shit
2: in TV, though, man. Uh, (laughs)
0: Oprah Winfrey interviews Michael Jackson during a live primetime special on ABC, uh, and it's hosted at Jackson's Neverland Ranch, what I call the scene of the crimes. Uh, And uh, it's Jackson's Uh, first TV interview since 1979 for 2020. And an estimated 90 million people... A, a tune in not watch but like tune in during the broadcast jump in and
3: jesus up. 90, 90 million. million people for an interview listeners if you want to understand how big michael jackson is that 90 million people will tell you everything but, it, but it's it's also
0: like right it's that venn diagram of a huge album with a ton of singles great radio play okay. Child molestation allegations, they're all yeah. mixed it, that that doesn't really mix together in his career ever again.
2: They're to coming. Put it in the allegation well, the allegations are coming very shortly. Mm. We're right mm. as like mm-hmm. people talk, there are rumors, but he hasn't been arrested, he hasn't been sued yet. Mm. That yeah. we oh, know of. I
0: thought he was ninety two uh, never mind.
2: But yeah. Uh, we but do there were have... jokes. Oh, there were a ton. I mean, well, I think one of the big things that came out of this was people asking, why is your skin so much lighter now? God damn it. Yeah. finally getting an answer of him saying, I have vitiligo. Is that the truth? I don't know. But a lot of people yeah. learn what vitiligo is. So that's nice.
3: Yeah. Uh, but to give context, uh, in 2021, 91 million people watched the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So Fuck. this <laughs> interview reached Super Bowl. Levels, yeah. Holy crud! That's how big Michael Jackson was, and I big, never big, and and, and reclusive. It's so creepy. I know, I, but I, I, if I had the I money, I'd buy it.
0: I'd buy it and live there with everything still there. No, you,
2: what? no. What? I look at everything and wonder what happened there.
3: Exactly. Mm. I, my my one it's of a my pretty cool my, house. I forget the comedian who said it, it was like if I was a pedophile, would I build an amusement park in my backyard? Yes. I think of Chappelle. Oh, yes. uh, and then, and then yeah. also, it's
2: interesting. Oh, also, he said he's only had one plastic surgery, and it was yet yeah, to fix his nose. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that was adorable. But you know, I see he talked about uh, his dad being an abusive piece of shit, which every a lot of other people had talked about. But mm. yeah, we understand it from him. But so such a big thing that yeah, ninety yeah. million people. It's not that means that's not just Michael Jackson fans. Everyone else is tuning in yeah. just to see yeah. what happens.
3: Yeah, and I also looked it up this is the interview where he said he'd never want a white actor to portray him and i believe that's it, happened since. yep it yeah
0: did. i'm trying to remember who was it it was joseph some...
2: fines it was joseph fines yes
0: yes yeah the only other thing i've ever known him to be in other than shakespeare in love yeah. and uh watched Handmaids, too also this week <laughs> sad to say and this this comes with a bit of a silver lining double dare ends on Nickelodeon. started no. in 86 uh. even had a like network airings on on fox i was shocked to find out a it did have a c se- it knew it was ending and had a season finale of like the biggest best winners with the biggest prize but i couldn't find any footage oh, oh. footage of it nickelodeon aired reruns of this for the next 11 years
3: well, why wouldn't you i, I oh uh, I, I guess your yeah. hand into a giant nose full of slime that never gets old i know That's... i just
0: i i just but I, I think it had to be talking about the nickelodeon gas network because i can't imagine people enjoying like rocket power and spongebob and like the fuck are british
3: knights (laughs) (laughs) i see this watching this growing up i like so desperately wanted to be on double dare it was like a childhood dream every time i watched it i was like yes i obviously want the prizes but i want to do that in and of itself. And I think I only went to Universal Studios once while the show was airing, Mm -hmm. and I so wanted to get in, and I didn't get in, and it was just like, ah! But looking it up, you know, obviously real life is different from what you see on television. They had a couple of really close calls where it was like, oh, that kid really came close to breaking their neck.
4: Mm -hmm. But
3: there's other things where lesser notes like the studio smelled like ass yeah. okay because <laughs> yeah. this is in florida and they um. had a number of times where they'd have whipped cream all over the place mm-hmm. and uh. then whipped cream in the florida humidity yeah you can mop that shit but it's not gonna yep. get it completely and it and just they're, they're shooting horrible. like 10
0: episodes back to back and it's just piling exactly. up, piling
2: mm-hmm. up piling studio up. lights oh god
3: you know, uh, there was, this is a real case, a woman went on Double Dare. Uh, she got hit in the face with a pie, and she sued Double Dare for $25,000 because she said men were no longer attracted to her. Now, I've always what? thought guys like it if you can take one to the face. Yeah, I'd,
0: I'd bang any of those chicks in the Three Stooges. <laughs> Oh, boy. I step under your kind
2: of cream pie.
0: Uh, <laughs> also this week, Saturday Night Live. I'll let Chris Farley explain who the uh, musical guest is in the last of three sketches of the Chris Farley show, which I believe...
3: No, no there were only ever three sketches of the Chris Farley show. Yes. And this is the final one.
0: That's what I said. But, yeah. but, but this is the musical guest of, of the evening. And everybody said this is kind of who chris farley was around celebrities it's the closest to the real him but he's obviously amplifying it special guest is hey, um, remember when uh, you were in the the beatles and uh you did that um album
1: abbey road and uh at the very end uh, of the song uh, it was, song it goes uh and in the end the love you take is equal to the love you make you remember that? <laughs> yes. Uh, is that
0: true? <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> but uh, Scorsese, <laughs> Jeff Daniels, and Paul McCartney. Um, and I remember this because they played. He played "Hey Jude." He's Got the the rare three musical performances from a guest.
2: All questions in the history of time you could ask Paul McCartney. Z- is that true? Re- Remember when you were in the Beatles? <laughs>
0: like,
2: <laughs> dumbest question. It, in I, the did, world. I couldn't
0: find a good um, sound of it. It's just like, uh, like, remember when you said Paul is dead? Was that true? I wasn't really dead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, awesome. The thing is,
3: if, if I was in front of one of the Beatles, I don't think I'd do a better interview job than this. I think mm-hmm. I'd just be a lot like this. But on uh, Dana Carvey's podcast, he said how Chris Farley has the best best of VHS tape of mm. any SNL cast member and I can see that the dude was mm. on the show for what five years yep uh Man. four
0: or five years yeah and, and I, yeah. I every time I am out and about now and like at a library I buy those SNL DVDs because there are special features on those that are not online like their auditions and uh dress rehearsal sketches that they just Man, they're they're really cool DVDs, by the
3: way. Also
0: this week, <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation, the episode Tapestry.
3: This is the episode where Picard dies, okay? Derp. Yep. He uh, gets hit by something, and he's on an operating table, and then he dies, and Q's like, it's the afterlife, I'm God, and you're dead. And Picard is in a bit of a, it's a wonderful life situation, because he starts looking through his past of his life and going, well what if I wasn't so reckless when I was young? What if I had been more calm and secure?
0: Let me just have this February 2nd to live over and over again. (laughs) Q, (laughs) please.
3: And Q being Q grants him his wish, but that makes it so Picard was never the risk taker. He was never the type of guy who could become captain. He's just some lower rank schlub chugging along.
0: Order follower.
3: And um, this was a hugely important psychological event for Picard that will never be mentioned again because that's what <laughs> that's what television was like. It was television. like you have these hugely important things and they're never mentioned again. Yeah, the Borg stuff gets followed up on. It does yeah, the movie? Of, yeah. I mean, I guess I've, I've, I've
0: two recent sc- of a screening of Picard may have colored. How I feel no, about No,
3: Picard is a modern animal. Picard goes like, okay, right. let's take all these things that he went through and actually explore them. And it's tri- TNG was like, we've got 22 episodes to do every year. Boom, 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 boom.
0: How about this? Also this week, Seinfeld, The Outing, which mm. was one of the first famous episodes I remember. Because I don't think I was around for yada, yada, yada. I wasn't watching Master of My Domain. But mm-hmm. the episode where...
3: I, I think... Not that there's anything wrong with that is the most famous Seinfeld line of all time. Yeah, oh, because, more because,
2: than yada yada yada.
3: More than yada yada well, 100%. Yeah.
2: Well,
0: here's why I think it's so pivotal. In this episode, a journalist is writing about Jerry and his relationship with George, leads her to believe that's his George is his lover and partner and describes him as a gay gay man and it not only was an episode that dealt with a little bit of homophobia, but the phobia of being homophobic, which is not and yeah, which is not something sitcoms ever fear of being homophobic is what the catchphrase mm-hmm. is
3: about. Yeah, that's why this is so different. There had yeah. been episodes in the past about people being accused of being gay. There's a great one on WKARP in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. It's all about a character who gets accused from being gay of being it's gay. The He's basis not.
0: of three's it, company. <laughs> and
3: but this is the first time when it's like I don't wanna appear to be homophobic and okay so i'm a junior high school student at this time anti-homosexuality is the water i as a fish in swimming in okay Mm -hmm. i think this is legitimately the first time that i encountered the idea that you shouldn't be homophobic yeah it's
0: it's a surprisingly progressive like recurring joke for a show that had no lessons but like yeah, I remember this. Like, just no. It's okay to be gay, but I'm not. That was the drama of the episode. That is where the that's where the Larry Davidness of everything comes from. And it, it, it's interesting because most people would have played that for just, for lack of a better words, straight laughs. And it was, right.
3: <laughs> and that was the first version of this mm-hmm. episode, and it fell flat and it wasn't working. And then in the writers' room, one of the writers said offhandedly, "Yeah, you know, we don't want them to think you're gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that." And Jerry Seinfeld pounced on that. He went, "That's it. That's the line," and he was absolutely right. I don't think this episode would be a classic without that line. I think it's the added element. Yeah, it, of, it, it's surprisingly. I hom- don't want you to think I'm gay, but I'm not homophobic. Just don't think I'm it's, gay, but I'm not homophobic. It,
0: it, it's surprising because that, like you know, that f- fear of being homophobic is a stronger fear for I think most of us than the fear of being perceived as gay as yeah. progressive mm-hmm. people with you know. Mm-hmm lgbt friends and family yeah this the fear of being perceived as homophobic is way stronger than people assuming i'm doing dudes yeah just i don't, I don't yeah. want to be perceived like that but i do believe we have here line in question
3: we're not gay not that there's anything wrong with that no of course not i mean it's fine if that's who you are absolutely i mean i have many gay friends my father's gay
0: Fa- my father's gay i forgot about that one <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean
3: george is, is such a schmuck god and yeah, then
0: Diana, Northern Exposure, the episode Ill Wind. Is that yeah, a fart so joke?
2: Northern Exposure had wonderful lots and lots of characters, and two of those characters had a will they or won't they. They did. Yay.
3: <laughs> and, and they cover it in the most Northern Exposure way possible, because uh, in an episode or two later, uh, the female who did forgets they ever had sex. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, I just blacked that out because it must have been so traumatic for me. <laughs> mm. and dr joel fleshman is like what are you talking about we announced it to the whole town because in this episode after they do it they announce to the bar hey everyone we had sex and everyone's like we don't care
2: yeah we're, yeah whatever you you guys are obsessed with your Willy they won't they we're having lives yeah <laughs> so and I, shut up
3: i love that because you know in in so many sitcoms the will they or won't they thing is the most important thing in everyone's life you know i've had a lot of jobs i have never cared who's boinking who at any job i've had
0: nah. mm-hmm. and, no and then so. lastly we have the simpsons episode a genuine classic i love nah. lisa Coming oh, around for Valentine's Day.
2: I chew, chew, choose this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love uh, the so, I love the ending of this episode because I can't tell if Ralph handles it so maturely at the end, but I can't tell if it's because he's mature or so stupid that he just he's forgot. So stupid, like object but, permanence is just yeah. gone emotionally.
3: I mean, this is Ralph's breakout episode. Okay, this mm-hmm. is where the character of Ralph you know and love really is boring yes there's been flashes of him before this but this is a ralph centered episode he is the main character yeah. of this and, and I, I believe they, he,
0: they gave his last name but this is the first time you see his dad is chief Yep,
3: yeah. <laughs> and he's not just a catchphrase machine in this episode he has dialogue and it also has i think arguably the darkest vcr gag in simpsons history <laughs> do, do you know what i'm talking course, about diana Oh yes, <laughs> it's the crusty uh, home dead. pregnancy kit. With you need a VCR to catch this. There's a little warning on it. Warning may cause birth it defects.
2: Birth defects. <laughs> <laughs> so, so fucked up. Damn. Oh, you see now. I remembered that one. I thought you meant you were talking about the let's roll back the VCR to capture That's the like exact that. moment oh, right. his heart breaks.
0: I got it. What's your name, son? Ralph. And is this your girlfriend, Ralph?
1: Yes. I love Lisa Simpson,
3: and when I grow up, I'm going to marry her. No! Now, you listen to me. I don't like you. I never liked you. And the only reason I gave you that stupid valentine is because nobody else would.
2: Watch this, Lisa. You can actually pinpoint the second when his heart rips in half. And now. (laughs)
3: yeah i've thought about that ever since you know you'll you'll get these clips on youtube or whatever of someone going through something bad emotionally and i'm always like okay so where's the exact frame where this person's heart breaks
2: (laughs) uh did did either you guys have this experience where there was like the weird kid and you were just not mean to them Not even nice to them, just like not mean to them. And they decided you were their best friend forever.
3: Yes. Yep.
2: Yeah, I had that too. And I've
0: also, I think I've kind of been the weird one on other occasions.
2: I think, yeah, I have too. Of like, oh, you're, you're, that one person's not teasing me. We could be friends, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, no, you don't care about me enough to not. it's, It's that you don't even care about me enough to tease me. Okay cool. Yeah, I had a I had a weird kid follow me around for like a day once and then I think he just moved on to someone else. Now they're married. I, will, no. I wasn't even cool enough to be stalked. do
0: <laughs> mm. uh, kids still give away valentines at school? They have to, but they have to give them to everybody. Yeah, yeah,
3: we, yeah. so, so even, give them you know, everybody. even when I was yeah. in uh grade school, we had to give them to everyone. It wasn't like this where it's like I no, still remember no, people coming
0: up shorts when they were packing in those Florida classrooms with 30 one to 35 kids and like people were counting their valentines to see if they got more or less yeah yeah
3: yeah, that happened to me too i got i got shorted yeah always
0: always well let's move on to the games of 1993 because they are well one of them's a humdinger not cool world for super nintendo boy is that a little delayed Whoops! <laughs> oh, boy.
3: Yeah. Well, this is the world you live in. It's like video games are beach towels. They'll come out, and it'll be eventually a tie-in, and maybe it'll make some money or not. Cool world for Super Nintendo. Great. You can pass in an hour, but not a single second of that hour will be fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and then there's uh, Dragon's Lair for SNES, the system you always wanted to play it on. Uh, so the NES version is actually far worse. But this is, it's not Dragon's Lair. I'm sorry. The Dragon's Lair is this beautiful animated thing, and this is not that. Yeah.
0: Uh, it, it, Dragon's Lair strangely has more sequels outside of Laserdisc than it does on Laserdisc. There's two Dragon's Lair games, in my opinion, and this ain't one of them. Harley's Humongous Adventure. This has to be Harley Quinn, right?
3: No, no. It's oh. its a shrink down, and you are a tiny little guy jumping through a rad 90s playroom. <laughs> Uh, it, it has some of the most baffling decisions of game design I can think of because you have to come to a complete stop and turn around to fire at an enemy. I mean, who who thought that was a good idea? And uh,
0: <laughs> what about Sim Earth, the living planet? I don't even think I touched this on PC. I cannot not imagine how it translated to on, Super Nintendo. On
2: SNES? Yeah.
0: What? SNES. No.
3: Okay. Your goal is to take the Earth from 4.6 billion years ago, develop an ecosystem, develop life, and then have that life develop a civilization. And if you ask the SNES game on how to do that, it giggles and walks away. OK, <laughs> the, the PC had a 200-page manual. And oh God. this game encourages you to experiment But the reward for experimenting is you get to wait and wait and wait because it, it, it thinks it's fun to have you wait a long time to see if anything you did made a difference. That's
0: I always, in the sim games on the computer, would go to bed and let them run overnight and like okay, I have a shitload of money, all my power plants are gone, but okay, I can see what happened finally. Let them run overnight, I say. And then the only game I would really recommend this week is Tiny Tune Adventures Buster Bust, Bust Loose. I think perhaps my favorite Tiny Tunes game, and they're, most of the Tiny Tunes games are pretty great, especially
3: if they're from Konami, and this is one of the best. And It's got an interesting design feature. Uh, you have a run meter Mm -hmm. and if you have your run meter full you can run up walls and if you don't you can't and so it's it's kind of like a balancing act it's 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 a little sonic game design
0: yeah and it's a short and sweet and i just love Stormtrooper ducks. They did, there weren't good Stormtrooper sprites like on any of the, the bit systems and Tiny Tunes had to suffice. Music 1993 as we close out from uh, February 10th through the 16th. I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. New releases include Native Tongue by Poison, uh, On the Mouth by Superchunk, The Last Rebel by Leonard Skinner, strictly for my hardcore you going to make me say this? No, I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to... Well,
2: it's it's spelled out for you, you know. Maybe, maybe yeah, it's yeah, an yeah. acronym.
0: Look up uh, mm-hmm. the second album from Tupac if you're so inclined. Self-titled by Duran Duran and New Wave by the auteurs. Let's close out with one of my favorite Duran Duran songs, Ordinary World. But stay right there. We'll be back in 2003.
1: Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb
0: Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com/lasertime. It supports not only this show but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which,
3: here's a quick taste. 1978, they're shooting Superman 1 and Superman 2 back yes. to back.
0: I'm kind of becoming comic obsessed in the early to mid 80s. I think Superman three is on the verge of coming to video, but basically I could just rent the first two over and over again. So I watched those over and over and over again. And to me, they, they warm my heart. And by the time the Donner cut came out in, what are we talking? Oh, six to six. I think. Yeah. To coincide. Like I watched it and like, you know, I read this is technically better. I was a little kid. I didn't know what happened. I didn't want this version. It I felt nothing when I saw it because like this is just not the n- nostalgic version I have for Superman and Steve has a, an, an experience I'd like to talk about. It's hard to call any of these movies good cuz they're all bad and pee in the eye of Superman and and everything you know okay, about Okay, them. okay. Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday starting for just $5 on patreon.com/lasertime. Into 2003 with "How Do You Mend a Broken Heart" by Michael Bublé off his self-titled album. Welcome to 2003. Ten years in the future from Groundhog Day, February 10th to the 16th. <laughs> Other new releases include uh, "Do It for Love" by Hall and Oates. Yes, they had an album in 2003. Ethnicity.
2: They, they had a hit off of that in Did 2003. they really? They, they it onto the wow.
0: charts. All right. Uh, Ethnicity by Yanni. We got A Heart of Oaks by Ted Leo and the Pharmacist. How to Start a Fire by Further Seems Forever. Next Best Thing by Vince Gill. And Boardface, the debut of Gautier. Uh, All I Have by Jennifer Lopez featuring LL Cool J is still numero uno. A little bit of news to ring the one of a world of 2003. An estimated 6 to 11 million people around the world take to the streets to protest against the war in Iraq. And we
3: did it. hasn't it.
2: even started yet, but we see what you're doing.
0: We did it. We, we
3: prevented well, that. It, it was very obvious uh, what the path I mean, yeah. that was not attempted to hide.
2: No. They kept saying, yeah, we have to go do this. Yeah, we have to go do this. We're going to go do this. He's He's got weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. You got to go do this. And if you don't do this, it's because you're siding with the terrorists.
0: Mm. So tired. <sighs> I'm so tired. We just got out of it. The- we just wrapped all this up. Uh, <laughs> We were uh,
2: still in Afghanistan, and things were still fucked up there. That was my 100% of my argument right yeah. there. What are you doing? Yeah. We're busy.
0: Well, let's get into the movies of 2003, because there are a lot this week. Holy Lord. Uh, Goodbye, okay. Lenin, with Daniel Brühl and uh, Katrin Sass is out.
2: <laughs> okay. You don't tend to think of Germans as being good at comedy,
0: <laughs> but this is actually <laughs> a
2: really fun movie. Uh, it's about this family who lives in East Berlin, or in East Germany, in the... Late 80s, early 90s. And the mom is like a super dedicated communist. She falls into a coma. And while she's in the coma, the wall comes down and German reunif- Germany reunifies. And the doctors tell them, like, when she wakes up from the coma, she can't take another shock. So they have to pretend it's still communism. <laughs> it's really silly. That's and like fun. Daniel Bruhl, you're probably used to see it as like, he's always a bad guy. You know, he's always a creepy Nazi or mm-hmm. making uh, Captain America fight Iron Man or whatever. And it's, it's really silly. But so, yeah, goodbye, Lennon. It's a uh, total recommend. It's so goofy.
0: Uh, we also have Casey Affleck and Matt Damon and Gus Van Sant's Jerry with a G. Whoo! this is a boring one. <laughs> it's a, it's a, I,
2: I've i seen people that they like this movie and I've seen people say this is the worst movie ever made. So, I wouldn't, I wouldn't
0: say that. It's just that like. It is it is what it is. It is two guys walking through the desert for a very long time. Yes. And uh Matt Damon and Casey Affleck, they're both named Jerry, because that's something I think the Damons and Affleck's called one another, be like, fuck you, you're an idiot, you're Jerry. So they're both Jerry. Bah I'm just Hi. glancing at the I'm... wiki. According to the work no. the video game Tomb Raider was incited on the influence of the style of the film. <laughs>
2: what? <laughs> It's just two guys walking in the desert. I don't though. know. I don't
0: know. I, I I had this on DVD. I bought this, and I forgot it. And t- I forgot it until we it came up in this list. We also have uh, Shay Wingham, Zoe Deschanel, and Paul Schneider in all the real girls.
2: Uh, this is. I'm sorry. This is one I wanted to get to, where I had to weigh, Do I want to watch something for the first time, or do I want to re-watch and reevaluate things that I don't remember very well? So I didn't get to this one, but um it's supposed to be pretty damn good where like paul schneider is uh kind of a ladies man and he like learns about himself and lessons and falls in love and there's you know awkwardness and heartfelt feelings and you know groundhog day stuff but without the groundhog day hey yeah all the real girls are supposed to be like a a real indie charmer yeah
0: that's what i remember i apologize Uh, And for the movie, I uh,
2: had to rewatch this.
0: Yes, I did rewatch this. Judy Greer, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Ron Livingston, Tilda Swinton, Brian Cox, Carrie Seymour, Chris Cooper, Meryl Streep, and Nicolas Cage, and Nicolas Cage in adaptation.
3: The book has no story. There's no story. Make one up. Okay, we open with Laroche. No, we open at the beginning of time. Okay, we open with Laroche. Crazy
1: white man. We open
3: on Charlie Kaufman. Fat, bald, ugly paces.
0: Carly Kaufman and Spike Jones reunite after their unbelievable movie being John Malkovich with adaptation.
2: Yeah, so I had to rewatch this because I realized it had been a long time yes, and that my husband had never seen it. And he is someone who has done writing, and I thought he would appreciate it, it and he did. <laughs> it,
0: at, at the end of the yes. day, this movie is a, if you have are a writer or have written... As I have, it's a really, really good depiction of writer's block and everything your inner monologue says to you, which you're not supposed to show. But I gotta, I gotta say, I was very entertained by this when it came out. I watched it over and over and over again, and I kind of like—is this—is this a fart sniffy
3: vanity? Project? Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna come to this. Yeah. This is the best smell your own farts film of all time. Yeah. Okay? <laughs>
4: Yeah, because it totally is.
3: This is the story of a writer trying to adapt the nonfiction book, The Orchard Thief, into a film. Orchid Thief, sorry. And he decides to adapt it in reality by telling his story of being a writer trying to adapt the novel into a film. Yes. And that should be the most unwatchable thing of all time. Yeah. But it's not, it's not, it's really not. It's engaging. It's explorative. It's a fascinating performance by Nick cage. Mm. And this is a writer putting his writer heart on his sleeve going, this is my writing experience. Look at it.
0: Look at it. And and, and, and <laughs> was like, not afraid to do something weird. Donald Kaufman, the twin brother of Charlie Kaufman, both played by Nicolas Cage, is a fictitious element but is credited with the screen <laughs> with the screenplay yes. in the credits. Uh, it's surreal and admirable and I used to I just didn't love it when I saw it this time. I guess cuz I knew the twists that were coming because when you watch the movie for the first time, you know, and the third act comes in like it gets really fun, but like I was just like Get to the fireworks factory. I remember how this ends.
2: Yeah, well, I, I actually, it turned out I enjoyed it in a lot of ways more the second time because there, like you said, it is, and it's based on the reality of, yes, he actually was hired to write a script for The Orchid Thief. And he couldn't crack it because it's a non. book. He couldn't book crack it because
3: the, there's no plot to it. There's no And story. there's a scene in this <laughs> movie where, where he's like, I don't want this to be a movie where things happen or... Or characters grow what the <laughs> hell <How do> you... <laughs> those
2: are the then two it's... things those are the two things well, I, I
0: think he you was it, two things in movies. if it i'm interpreting
2: you need one
0: <laughs> because that's what the book was about and he was he kept saying he wanted to do right by susan orlean which i love mm-hmm. the idea that like they had to give this movie script to her like by the way he very much added that you're on drugs and having an affair with the orchid thief guy. And then she's like, what the fuck that that, that's not an adaptation of my book. Uh, that's a mild spoiler.
2: Yeah. Eventually they, uh, they (laughs) eventually she went along with it. And then she finally met Charlie Kaufman on the set. And, uh, he said, I'm really embarrassed to meet you. And she said, I'm really embarrassed too. It's there you go. So yeah. So it's like so many levels of meta that I can understand why I think this is so dumb. Like you were hired to write, a treatment of this book either you do it or you don't and instead you write about how you can't write a treatment of this book and you make yourself the main character and you're horrible and it's just all about how much you hate yourself and everyone hates you <laughs> uh robert mckee who writes screenwriting seminars he hates you everyone fucking hates you you fucking suck and that's like that's kind of the thesis but then what's so bizarre is that it comes around to end up being something very profound because it's not just about writer's block and not knowing what he's doing and his extreme anxiety and the anxious monologue that's in his head all the time about how much he hates himself it ends up having like a really sweet message that i think carries over from the orchid thief strangely enough the idea of like we are what we love Mm -hmm. and who loves us is actually not none of our business
0: and 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 just the 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 metaphor of his brother for like the popcorn sellout who then
2: that's what I liked about watching it the second time is there is a point where you can tell Donald, Donald takes over a, the screenwriting. He takes because over. The, that's when there's car chases and gunfire. But
0: then he goes away and you can see, like, he, he's literally like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I know this when you're, like, compromising your writing and like, all right, I'm getting this done. And then, like, you question yourself. All oh, that part of me that did that is dead. And I can't get back to it. It's bizarre, and it's like a movie made for me, and maybe it's a movie made for you. But it, yeah, it's—I it, find it a little hard to recommend. Here's my
3: big takeaway: it's a full recommend for me. Yeah, I yeah, 100% like recommend this. It, it,
0: it, Tilda Swinton, like I think one of her early like American performances, looking hot and not weird. Like it, it's just been a <laughs> long time since I've seen this, seen that happen. She's not doing Why, anything isn't she crazy. Weirder? Oh yeah, she looks yeah, so good in this movie. Chris
2: Cooper looking weird as fuck. This, finally pulling an oscar god damn it
0: it's such a good performance See, uh, in yeah. in chris cooper's he, character he's
2: so great and like yeah i love that meryl streep goes in very un-meryl streep ways nicholas cage i swear to god there are times where i forget he has to do one half of the scene and then do the other half of the scene because he is not two people yeah he, both both characters feel so fucking organic that I forgot he's playing both of them. And that's hard to do. Cause they're there are a lot alike with very tiny differences. One is more self-hating and one is more just stupid. Stupid but optimistic.
0: Yeah. And I, 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 God, I, I
2: he's stupid. And just and also just that feeling of like I am working really hard and I care about my craft. And then some numbnut shows up <laughs> and does the dumbest things possible and everyone loves him. Everyone loves the dumb shit. I wish I could sell out. No, I don't. I hate myself. I, Maybe I, I should lose weight.
0: I, as a, as a, Around this time, I was obsessed with Charlie Kaufman because he had like this awesome pedigree of writing on some of my favorite canceled comedy shows, like Get a Life and Dana Carvey Show. And mm. uh, then he made an uh, unbelievable movie, Being John Malcolm. It's just so w- weird and wonderful. Is this or Eternal Sunshine his last yet most approachable movie? Because... I, oh, th- I don't think Eternal they will be. Eternal as-
3: Sunshine is a classic. If we're we're jumping a little ahead, I think I, that's I went be into remembered this like think, thinking Bay this going to be remembered.
0: I went into this thinking mm. adaptation is the superior film to uh, Eternal Sunshine, and I left thinking the opposite. So
2: mm. no, I think Eternal Sunshine has bigger things to say Mm -hmm. this has really really personal things to say but things that i totally relate to right yeah having just that inner monologue and just telling you just god damn it and just feeling just the whole it's the dumbest littlest scene but the thing of like sitting down to type and he's like maybe i should get coffee or maybe the coffee should (laughs) be the reward
0: maybe i should reward myself
2: (laughs) now maybe i should write and then should i have a muffin Oh, banana muffin sounds good, Dude. and it's like you're just procrastinating, and you can't well, stop well, yourself. Diana, you hate yourself Diana, for doing it. Hold on. Yeah,
3: a banana muffin does sound good. Mm. Can we stop the podcast and I'll go get a banana muffin? Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's just so it it is so weird, and like how many of these things? I don't know if people realize that. Yeah, Brian Cox is playing a real guy.
3: Yeah. No, so who, I, I don't think I that don't, was recognized yeah, widely. No,
2: Ro- yeah, Robert McKee is the guy who's written a whole bunch of books of, and has seminars about screenwriting, about block, breaking things down into three-act structure and understanding character motivations and all the things that this this is not doing, and then it does, and then it doesn't do, and then it says the things it's not going to do, and then it doesn't, over and over in the goofiest fucking ways possible. Yes. I fucking love adaptation. I, I was really worried, like, this is going to be too self-indulgent for me, and still so was like, I still got stuff out of it. God damn. Yeah. You're so self-indulgent. Why are you still good? Why can't I write self-indulgent crap?
0: I mean, it's far and away the best recommend of this segment uh, for me. Yeah,
3: this segment. sure. But I didn't.
0: Get to once again: John C. Riley, Allison Jenny Stephen Delane Jeff Daniels, Claire Danes, Tony Collette, Ed Harris, Nicole Kidman, Julian Moore, and Meryl Streep again in *The Hours*. Three
1: different women.
0: This life is what I've always wanted. I had an idea of each
1: living a lie. I'm glad i happy. Quiet. Each. Putting someone else's life. Good morning, Dalla first.
0: That is we do. That is people do. They live each other. What about your own life? Ah, the hours. All the drama and the Oscar noms.
3: So uh, this was actually part of an effort by me to watch every single 1992, 2002, 2012 Oscar best picture nomination with my wife because there's frequently one she hasn't seen mm-hmm. I haven't seen let's try to revisit this we watched it together this is a powerful film it's mm-hmm. it's a recommend from me i mean this does okay here here's the central problem depression is Boring, narratively speaking. Okay, people being depressed is not an interesting thing to watch on film. It's not. It's like one of the hardest things to capture on film. Bill Murray did and a good job,
0: though, let's say. Shoving a whole did, angel food cake uh, in his mouth. Right,
3: right, right. Mm-hmm. But but this is a movie about nothing but depression. There's no time loops in this film it's Mm -hmm. just depression throughout the generations and they capture it they capture depression in each time period in each woman's life and you can see why each of these women living radically different lives one's a literal world famous author the other's a housewife and this film brings you into both of those worlds and see yes with that life I see why you are depressed. Mm. That's an amazing achievement.
2: Yeah. This is one, it's like, I don't know. I recommend it, but I don't know who I recommend it for because I I feel like I recommend it for women most of all, but also, I mean, for men to understand women more because it is Mm. about these parallel stories of women. Really, there's four parallel stories. One of them is fictional. One of them is Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf. One of them is a woman who... Uh, her friend keeps comparing her to Mrs. Dalloway. Another one is reading Mrs. Dalloway and Virginia Woolf, who wrote Mrs. Dalloway. And I've never read <laughs> Mrs. Dalloway. I <laughs> Am have. I going to get it? <laughs> and it turns out, oh, okay, I got it. Now I got it. I got it. But uh, kind of tracing like how their lives are going and how they're unhappy in them and why. And like my big takeaway when I left it the first time when I saw it back in early 03 ahead of the Oscars was. To really contemplate the opportunities I have as a modern woman to express myself that thousands of years of women have not had. And and it really shook me in a way of like, man, if I were just born in a slightly different place in a slightly different time, just even within like my own parents' lifetime, everything would be yeah. so different
3: it it would yeah i I just recall it was actually around junior high right around uh, 1993 or so i had a old junior high teacher she was like pushing 70 close to pushing 70 and we were talking about the rise of the women's liberation movement which she lived through and she was like okay i was a teenager in the 1950s and i was utterly rebelling about all these gender norms because that's just who i was and she said she thought that no matter what time period she lived in she thought she would have rebelled because her parents weren't supporting her or society wasn't supporting her she was just i do Mm. wonder about that in history just you know it's it's a classic question are we nature are we nurture obviously we're both but to what degree is going to be endlessly debated
2: yeah and just, yeah, the idea that it's the 1920s and Virginia Woolf is a famous writer and yet she she's limited in her life in ways that I am not. And I'm just some schmuck but we're both depressed. And how do we deal with this? I'm trying to not walk into the river holding stones. Um Preferably, I mean, they have to give me an Oscar first, which, you know, they did for Nicole Kidman because it's a very understated performance. Uh, I mean, she's wearing a fake nose, but she's not doing any big showy Oscar Beatty scenes. This is a very, everyone is very restrained.
0: Was John C. Riley nominated for this too?
2: He's nominated for Chicago,
0: Chicago but
3: okay. this is the
2: year, he is in three Best Picture nominees this year. Right.
3: God, it's <laughs> just... <laughs> It's it's just weird. I always think of him as this wackety schmackety guy, but 2002, he's like, yeah, I'm in like three of the best picture nominations. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah that's a you lot know.
0: of Oscars for the Academy. Yeah, all,
2: all in dramatic <laughs> roles. But I mean, the one that's a comedy is Chicago, and he's like this. He has the saddest number
0: in the show. Mr. Cellophane.
2: Uh, yeah, no, the hours. Um, yeah, it it freaking got me, man. It, it still worked on me. I was really thinking I was going to roll my eyes this time and just be like, yes, yeah, this is just awards bait, whatever. And I was like, oh, gosh, i got to go contemplate my life some more.
0: So is that a recommend?
2: It's a recommend. Maybe I should actually read Mrs. Dalloway now.
0: I had a real rough time with that book, but it was college. Maybe I'm more mature now. I don't know. Movies were guaranteed not to recommend. Uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, adaptation and the hours are both releasing wide uh, ahead of the Oscars, which are in like a couple weeks. And meanwhile, <laughs> it's meanwhile, actually making money, is stupid. Mm-hmm.
0: Counterprogramming, Jim Cummings, John Reese Davies, Phil Collins, Phil Collins, Tony Jay, uh, Bob Jules, Mae Whitman, and Haley Jill Osmond and John Goodman as Mowgli and Baloo. It's The Jungle Book Two. Coming only to theaters February 14th. Yeah! There's a whole new beat in The Jungle. Bye.
1: It's The Jungle Book 2. Damn, yeah, man. With new songs. It hit it, Papa Bear. New friends. Oh! Are you okay? Well, I feel fine. And a whole new adventure. It's the The Bear Necessities are back.
0: In Disney's all-new movie, The Jungle Book 2, rated G. Yeah! In- Didn't they think, what what, what were they going to do when the... Sora had to go to the Jungle Book level? I'd have two Haley Joel Osment. It'd be chaos. <laughs> Cross the streams. Yeah, this, this movie sucks. Jungle Book didn't need a sequel.
3: No, uh, no. this There is no reason to make this film. No. Okay, you could make a legitimate sequel to the Jungle Book. You could absolutely continue that story 100%. There's lots of ways you could go with that. That's not what this film is. This film is 100%. Hey, remember the scene from the Jungle Book 1? Okay, Well, do you remember this other scene from The Jungle Book 1? This does nothing with the material. You know, The Jungle Book is a classic of literature that has been read for fun for over a hundred years. And this adds nothing.
0: I I think you're mistaken. If you look into the soundtrack, the kings of 2000s theatrical animation, (laughs) we have a wonderful collab. We have this movie to thank for this uh, wonderful song. I will spare you that is Smash Mouth's cover of "I Want to Be Like You." I think we covered it more in depth in Laser Times' "Worst Disney Covers" episode. Jesus Christ, Smash Mouth was uh, everywhere.
2: Yeah, it's it's so sad that you can just take one look at the animation and be like, "That was meant for video."
0: Yeah. Yep. It, it does. It, it it does look good though. Right around the time the company is kind of abandoning 2D animation. It's it is it is a cut above made for video, but that's not the. One that broke the bank. Uh, for that, we have to turn to David Keith, Joe Penaliano, John Favreau, Colin Farrell, Michael Clark Duncan, Jennifer Garner, Ben Affleck. It's number one at the box office, ladies and gentlemen. Daredevil. As a boy, an accent took his sight but gave him
1: superhuman sis. Battle the
0: ultimate enemy. Both one hero. What do you want? Justice. Will take on a new ally. I didn't get your name.
1: I didn't give it. You're holding back. Dumb.
0: Daredevil Rated PG 13. Oh my god, is this movie seven tons of dumb? It, it like <laughs> I, it, it makes it makes the first two X-Men movies seem like a fluke, cause Fox did every other Marvel property pretty dirty. And this is about the best outside of X-Men 1 and 2, I think is Daredevil. And this Well,
2: you can see the Spider-Man influence on this, oh, yes. but they're trying to make it darker, and that's just like those things don't go together. No. This he... is he, this is not Spider-Man but dark. Is Batman but blind. Come on.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's Honestly,
2: <laughs> they should change names. I know they're different companies, but Daredevil actually uses echolocation, so he should be Batman.
0: It, yeah. that that has a lot to do with Frank Miller. <laughs> Frank Miller doing both
3: those characters, by the way. Oh
2: yeah, good point. Mm-hmm. Good
3: point. But yeah, yeah, okay. So there was a time, listeners, when <laughs> we got one superhero movie a year, yeah. and we were grateful for that. We, we and loved it. I can recall, as a 2003 comic book nerd, I was like, "Oh my gosh, they are making a Daredevil movie with the chasing a Amy about, guy." Dear devil, <laughs> obviously this is gonna be the most kick ass thing ever, and it was not It is
0: beyond beyond silly. I've watched this I think twice with rip tracks live. And there are moments <laughs> where they don't speak for minutes and the audience is howling at the film itself.
4: <laughs>
0: it, it is, it is so, so fucking silly and studio E and everything. Marvel movies are not nowadays. It is so oh. it, it, with the yeah, notable exception, uh, with uh, the my,
3: character okay. Michael Clark Duncan
0: and Colin Farrell are doing amazing work i i should have recognized hate even hating this movie that colin farrell is a genius because he's kind of the only person who seems to realize the movie that he's in and mm-hmm. makes a real effort to go for it as bullseye he is absolutely hysterical like just totally to 11 wonderful
3: and I, i'm gonna say this i was involved in nerd culture in a big way in 2003 and the universal reaction to michael clark duncan a black man being cast in a white role was great that's a perfect fit. Yeah, I mean because the kingpin is this huge, he's... huge man, and it was like, who's going to play the kingpin? John Coffey, Michael Clark, Duncan, <laughs> <Yeah>. the <laughs> giant black man who's always in the role as a giant black the, man in the, every movie you've seen.
0: The biggest name actor, you, literally the biggest named actor you could find. It's but it's yeah. also like he's good kingpin. Yeah, and, oh, he's
3: a great kingpin because
0: yeah. kingpin is awesome and like I think uh, even better in spider-man uh into the spider-verse because kingpin is also strong as fuck he's a head crusher and uh you can believe that yeah. from my clark duncan
2: so this is written and directed by the guy who wrote the grumpy old man movies and that's, about
0: it. <laughs> that's how little fox gave a shit we got a guy yeah. sitting around who could direct this
2: well, I mean, I appreciate giving the guy a chance, but it feels like 80 different executives each took a t- took three minutes of footage and oh. they, they got to do whatever they wanted because uh, there is some bad CG. Things that don't need to be CG are CG. let You throw a rose off a building and you need to make that CG. What the fuck? And then the soundtrack it's early
3: is, 2000s, they were like addicted to CG they and they just didn't a, know what to do with it.
2: And, and then they have, um, what was I thinking? Oh, the, the soundtrack. Oh is, my God.
3: Oh my well, God.
2: I mean, first, first of all, th- this movie has the soundtrack tell you who every character is because you're too dumb to use your eyes. It's like, you know, it's for the visually impaired. Um, <laughs> they just have, Hey, who's, Who's this guy? It's Kingpin. It's like the music is like, I'm the biggest guy. I'm the king of the world. (laughs) It's like, well, and uh, Colin Farrell shows up. What's the first line? I'm an Irish gangster. That's the first line (laughs) of the lyrics of the song. (laughs) Fuck you, movie. How dumb do you think I am? You think I am so dumb.
0: We also have it uh, to thank for the wonderful corporate rap stylings of uh, Evanescence.
2: Oh, my God. That scene does make me laugh it's it's just it's just electro like training but she has like an entire mansion full of (laughs) sandbags that just drop down from the ceiling for her to
3: fight no no. she she hires a butler to drop sandbags mish i in butler school they never told me i had to drop sandbags (laughs) you drop sandbags butler that's your job
0: (laughs) i thought i remember one some riff on the riff tracks being like she always makes sure to forget where she put those sandbags for better training. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck? Why would you set yourself up on an elaborate Rube Goldberg machine to fight, to sharpen your senses? It's it's really
2: sloppy with characterization. Um,
0: Oh, that seesaw scene.
2: Oh, my God. And, and like they're trying and some of it, like some of the fight choreography, I think is pretty good. Like I said, Colin Farrell and Michael Clark Duncan, like they they're going for it. They're, they're camping yeah. it up. And that, that really helps. Now there is a director's cut of this with That's 30 amazing. extra minutes an entire Whoa. subplot cut yep. out. And it's rated There's R. An, and it's rated R. And, and it is much better. It,
0: it reviewed. Like, I think I said that on the Superman two thing, it's nowhere near as, Different as the Donner cut to the uh, Lester cut, but it is, it reviewed everywhere like, wow, I didn't know this could improve a movie in such a vital way. And it's weird because most of the stuff is like not fighty stuff. Coolio gets to be in the movie as a defendant.
2: They actually spend time on him doing lawyering stuff, which fleshes out his character more, fleshes out the neighborhood more, gives everything a little bit more stakes. and. It was so weird because it's it's actual the original running time is 103 minutes. It's not like it was too long. If this movie were two and a half hours, I understand why you want to cut 30 minutes. But yeah, it, it in comparison, it is kind of night and day. Like this is one of the ones where it's like you should just ignore the theatrical cut if you're going to watch this because the theatrical cut, all the problems are still there in the director's cut. But at least plot isn't one of them. Well, sort of. And, um... I don't know. It is a big change though, and I'm just like what were you thinking you paid for that footage
0: and i'm happy to report why are you
2: cutting coolio i
0: was i was ready to predict that this the rated r cut is not available but it is on standard definition dvd amazon lists 14 left in stock get them all they're hot uh yes. that's the only way you can see it <laughs> but but yeah it, it was odd to see critics reappraise this like this is a much better film because it, it was all the remember electra got a spinoff Greenlit before this came out.
3: So the executives of Fox... Well, it's that fighting on the teeter-totters. Horrible! You know, everyone (laughs) just went, well, I really like how she's fighting a (sighs) blind man on children's playgrounds.
0: (laughs) Let's give her a film. Where she fights a man with living tattoos. That movie is... So much worse on every fucking level.
2: It really, really is. You want to see... How can you make a superhero so boring? (laughs) You just want to die?
0: It's unbelievable. Uh And and the only reason Fox even has these is because Marvel's near bankruptcy in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. And and if you... Like... The only reason I think they're back into the fold is that like Fox couldn't remember they had like a they had a, a pitch reel hit the internet uh, right before the rights reverted back to Marvel because Fox couldn't get they were trying their best to get a Marvel property made but they're not a real studio <laughs> and uh, yeah this is this is I don't this is actually a fun watch like one of the first times i had fun with like a 2000s era movie in the 2010s to be like wow i'm so glad we're out of that period (laughs) but like only (laughs) in that way is it fun this made me very very mad and but you know i I was bored to death by the uh, third season of daredevil anyway but it's just kind of nice we have an mcu daredevil charlie cox is great um the first season- first season and a half of Daredevil are, are is amazing, much much better served in um in that era, yeah,
2: well, yeah, and just cutting out anything with him having to do with lawyering kind of hobbled the movie because when I saw the original theatrical cut. All I, because I don't know anything about this character, literally nothing. When I walk in, and all I see is, okay, he's blind, but he has like extra sensory. He's got like senses. Uh, Echo or, location. Like, no, Michael explained it to me at the so time. A he's a blind man, but he can like see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. He's a blah, 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 blah. he's a blind man that can like see. No. So like he, not no. a blind man. No. And then he explained it to me like like he can see in. 4D or something like you no. can see all right. I'm like no, no,
3: Daredevil. He's blind. No. Every other sense is heightened. There you go. Right. So he's got okay. super hearing, so he can do echolocation. Super smell, so he can tell if you're five feet away or three feet Distance. away. yeah. Right. Uh, super well, touch. I so now.
2: I get it now. <laughs> Which mostly they don't cover very well in the movie. No. I think the TV show That's does a great job of that. Thing.
3: But they, like, they, they did. Interesting. They could yeah. have done so much by showing us okay, film's a visual medium. Show me what it's like to have Super Senses movie. No? Yeah. You're, you're, you're going to show really me do that. Metal it's Gear VR sessions? Sort of yeah, it's just going to be
2: sort of in like blue and white, oh. I guess. Yeah, but. So here's the thing. So they establish, oh, he's got this. Th- and so, like, when he's grilling a guy on the witness stand and he hears the guy's heart rate go up and he knows he's lo- he's lying. And then he loses the case and then he goes kick the shit out of the guy out of Darede- as Daredevil. I'm like, well, maybe if he were a better fucking lawyer, he wouldn't
0: have to do this shit. He wouldn't have to shit. rely on his superpowers to win cases.
2: And then but he lost that case anyway. Yeah. So he just goes and beats the guy up. But I mean, it's like, okay, with the Coolio subplot back in there, there's actually some lawyering and it, like... Okay, it makes a bit more sense. He's still a shitty lawyer, though.
0: This is He's a, bad, a shitty
2: lawyer. And he's a shitty fighter. He can't fight in a subway for shit. Uh,
0: this is a bad movie. And I, this
2: is a bad movie. I
0: think the silver lining... Well, one, Colin Farrell has played both a Batman and a Daredevil villain. Good for him. And But uh, Ben Affleck had a second shot at comic superhero stardom, and uh, that's kind of taken off the table for him now. But I think he did a pretty good job.
2: I liked him as Batman oh, okay. a lot more than this. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he feels I, miscast. I don't... I, I want to
3: say, that. this was a success. Yeah. This yeah. film made around three times its budget. Yeah. Hollywood, if you're double your budget, you're a success, basically. Yeah. And Ben Affleck was just like, uh, I don't want to go back to that role because wearing a costume is humiliating for me.
0: Dude, his his chubby little cheeks sticking out of Daredevil's helmet look ridiculous. <laughs> it, it, mm. Get a skinnier man in there with a more gaunt face.
2: At least he had his misses there.
0: Cox oh, forever. Nice. Do you want to see Ben Affleck bang She-Hulk? I don't think so. It's yeah. too
2: old. No, he, he made, like I said, he met his eventual misses on this. Uh, at, but we're actually still in Benefer times, so the other Benefer, not, not there.
0: There were some kids that were res- the result of this film, <laughs> the, the yes, Garner right. Affleck kids.
2: That's nice. Got, oh, so I don't. What wa- I, uh, I can't imagine watching a rough cut of this and being like, we nailed it. This is what everyone mm-hmm. loves this right. character for.
0: Like the idea of them green lighting an Electra character, like who. Bring out the executives who like this if we chop their heads off. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on to television of 2003. December, not December, February 10th to the 16th. Uh, I thought this was funny. Ten years from the day of the Oprah Winfrey interview from last segment, Michael Jackson's a 2020 interview, and it tops the ratings globally, but with just under 30 million viewers. So we're watching so, TV drastically change. Yeah,
3: dropped 60 million viewers, mm-hmm. but this is... Two thousand three Michael Jackson. He's had a lot of scandals in yeah. the last ten years. Mm-hmm.
0: But I believe a lot of his more famous because it, it is surprising how little he talked to the press, but how they hounded his ass. But a lot of that Neverland footage and the weird comments come out of this interview. I love I love I love this. The pilot for the Venture Brothers, one of my favorite animated shows of all time, is shown on Adult Swim. <sighs> However, the series would not start for another year and a half, but that's Adult Swim is doing that I think right now. M. Night Shyamalan is hosting or ho- just hosted a night of pilots. Adult Swim will air its pilots and even has released them online and allowed people to vote on what they bring to series. I don't think they put a lot of weight behind what the public no. is, is voting no. on. That's but, a marketing thing. But that's why Adult Swim and their original programming that had let's say less limited animation than an aqua teen hunger force took so long (laughs) by the time they put it into production it took two guys and a small team of animators almost two years to crank out 10 episodes or 13 episodes of the venture brothers and this is a little lost because it's interesting that this pilot wasn't made for adult swim i think it may have been made with multiple networks in mind including comedy central so it was supposed to try and find a home there because jackson public had written on the tick and then the tick had a I loved watching tick reruns on Comedy Central after critic reruns. Oh, they were
3: great, <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but for this show, I've rewatched a lot of old Adult Swim stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, back in 2003, Awkward Teen Hunger Force, uh, C Lab 2021. I was like the biggest fan oh, yeah. in the world. Rewatching those. I'm just like, uh, I'm I'm not that guy anymore. The Venture Brothers holds is up, baby. gold. The mm-hmm. Venture Brothers is the best thing Adult Swim has produced. Period full stop. Mm. It is a huge drama. There is lore, there stakes. is world building. there is stakes. Mm-hmm. There is characters who change and grow. And most important, this show is about something. Yeah. Aqua Teen Hunger Force is not about something. (laughs) C-Lab 2021 is not about something. The Venture Brothers, as I'm sure anyone who knows, uh, who's a fan of the show, is about failure. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) What do you do if you're a failure? That's something media doesn't like to explore. You know, we like to explore our successes, our wins. What if you've kind of just fucked up? Mm-hmm. What if you've 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 kind of gone down a not great path, and you live in an Adventure abandoned Brothers, so you live
0: in an abandoned Tomorrowland? You have to rent out a room to Doctor Strange. And- I
2: <laughs> I, I think Packles. the answer is I I I build a machine that can make every dream you come through true, and it's just sort of powered by uh, the orphan Orphans. Heart. Orphans.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay. But so much of the Venture Brothers is both funny. And poignant. You know, it has something to say. I mean, uh, the doc is the grown-up version of a traumatized adventure boy. Because if mm-hmm. you actually live through Johnny Quest's life, you're a child soldier. That's all you are. <laughs> no, we have child soldiers in the real world. And they don't tend to grow up to be great, well-adjusted people, okay? So if you're going <laughs> on all these boy adventure things, yeah you're going to be messed up probably for life <laughs> and, that, that's and doc is
0: yeah it, it's 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 mostly reminiscent of whatever that pulpy johnny quest era but also made mm-hmm. by a hannah barbaro studio who who really really got it and like it's so i love how it delights in like Odd eighties, nineties, sixties obscurities, mm-hmm. and it, it it's definitely feel very reference focused, but like not annoyingly so or distractingly so. Uh, no. It's it's very good because it's nerd. its well, own was... thing. You
3: know, in yeah. the first couple of seasons, they definitely lean heavily into the we're in the Johnny Quest universe. But they, they, they kill Race Bannon <laughs> in like
0: the first couple yeah. episodes. It's like, why is this here? When you go back and rewatch it, yeah, they. Yeah,
2: but... <laughs> to say most most importantly i saw a lot of people discover rediscover it as the internet was arguing about velma and people mm. pointing out venture brothers is the best version of scooby doo episode ever
0: yeah cool, King- you, you yeah. want
2: you want dark edgy scooby doo bitch we got your dark edgy scooby doo and it ends with uh, a bunch of clones running around Half-formed, rubbery-looking
0: uh, clones. God, I, I really thought good. I loved Gosh, the show from I the see- beginning, and I so thought it was canceled after that first season for an easy writer reference none of its
3: audience would get. <laughs> yeah, I and- was the same at the very end of the first season. I was like, "Well, that was a bunch of weird wackiness that I will never see again." But I'm glad it existed. And it led and- into my
0: my favorite season anything opener of all time the season two of venture brother opening duran duran references and oh and i, I did want to say because i have nowhere else to say it i've never done like cbd or any of that stuff and i decided yeah. to try it this weekend a, a delta nine thing like your legal it's like legal weed and i'm like ah this isn't gonna do anything to me i used to have a pot prescription and it knocked me on my ass so hard that i was like i don't know what to do oh, there's a new Aqua Teen movie out. <laughs> so this is what I used to do when I was high on accident. And so I'll do that. And I'm only bringing that up because uh, Warner Brothers new management, they canceled Venture Brothers. They, There's a lot of shakeups going on at Warner Brothers Discovery, but they seem to have some belief in the straight to video market. So most people didn't notice that Aqua Teen had a straight-to-video movie like last month, Plantasm. And that <laughs> I is, had no idea. That is where Venture Brothers will conclude. It will conclude <laughs> on a straight... I'm just glad that they're getting an ending because they got yeah. renewed for one final season and that was taken away from them. But it was partially written at the time and now they can complete it in a movie form, maybe two movies, I forget. Ex- it was supposed to be an HBO Max thing, but Warner Brothers doesn't want to pay for HBO Max stuff anymore. <laughs> so it lo- uh, yeah. lo- look on your local Target shelves for Venture Brothers... the finale coming, I would guess in a year or two.
3: Other, Other than MST3K, which was canceled for a long time, I think the Venture Brothers is the show that I religiously watched for the longest amount of time yeah two years between seasons will do that yeah 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 Mm -hmm. i mean uh i was in the simpsons huge in the 90s but in the 2000s i fell off but the venture brothers i was almost a day one viewer i i think i watched the pilot not when it aired but soon after and then i really got into season one and then every year after that i've just been oh my gosh i can't wait for the next season I didn't get it years. until episode
0: six, "Ghost of the Sargazzo. and for some reason, that David Bowie <laughs> opening clicked with me. I still love the line, "I've uh, I'm running out of oxygen. I've uh, I've lost my locator." And yes, I recognize the irony of that. And <laughs> <laughs> I love this show. Can't say enough nice things about Venture Brothers. This pilot, though, is very crude compared to what the Venture Brothers yeah. would become. It's
3: got pilot weirdness, hundred percent. I mean, no television show is born fully-fledged in the pilot. That's not the purpose of the pilots. It's to kind of get your foot in the door, and once you do that, that's when you develop And and I guess I will say,
0: uh, uh, not to bring up Rick and Morty, because it is not going through a good period in the headlines nowadays, but it is the longest-running traditionally animated show that I think Rick and Morty just reached, but the reason why they had to renew Rick and Morty for 70 episodes is because the nature of contract renewal for television shows on a cable animation budget always made it so like okay let's see how your episodes do everybody's gone like the contractors are gone and they needed to it's it's the one good thing if you hate rick and morty like adult swim figuring out like okay this is popular and probably going to remain that way we need to keep people on salary all year long and not just contract this and wait two and a half i think the venture writers went almost three years in between one of its seasons they got some yep. specials in there in between but it yeah adult swims process is bizarre and fascinating venture brothers ladies and gentlemen
2: venture brothers, Huge a massive recommend and then la- lastly
3: i always hmm. last thing i just i have been meaning to do a complete rewatch of the venture brothers from beginning to the end but i didn't want to do that until it was like the final season yeah, I so you. I've just been in limbo for so long. I'm like, ah, uh, should I just do the rewatch? Or no, that's not the real end, right?
0: Here's here's what I do, JR. I take the episodes, the later episodes that came out after I no longer had any cable. Those are the ones that, because I didn't get to rewatch them in reruns like I did the first three uh, or four seasons. Right. So I do that because they're always going to be kind of fresh to you. And it just gets so much more fun and weird and lore dense as you go. And there's a lot to remember. Yeah. And lastly, we have the, the TV movie. Victor Garber, Kristen Chen with Matthew Boderick in uh, The Music Man. The basis for Lyle Landley is uh, yep. remade as a TV. Yeah, movie. A fun film, made for
2: TV movie. Not doing it live like they've been doing all these. I'm just realizing how everything is coalescing right now. Victor Garber being on Alias with Jennifer Garner, Venture Brothers having a kingpin character named Wide Whale. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Which is a fabric joke. That is a joke about a kind of corduroy. Yeah, man. I love it.
0: Maltov cock Oh, unbelievable.
2: Moltov cock <laughs> and David Bowie's panda. <laughs> I went to a party where someone was dressed as that. <laughs>
0: Hell yeah. I want to okay. be invited to that party next year.
3: I, I wish I'd been at that party. <laughs> uh, or, or
0: I'll go as Truculese. Uh No, no, no. Uh, Tru- <laughs> What is it, the the Greek? Never mind. Uh, 2003 games, February 10th to the 16th. I'll save the best for last. Disaster Report on PS2. That is an odd uh, game. So
3: the, this is an interesting game because it's survival horror, but hmm, the horror you're facing is a natural it's disaster. Weather. Yeah, It's a huge earthquake, and you've got to try to survive the earthquake. You've got to try to dodge falling things. It's an interesting experience experiment i played it solely in japanese with no english translations and my japanese was not that good so it was a hard experience for me but it was memorable because it was so different
0: yeah you can probably see why that's very more of a real latent fear of the japanese than fucking zombies (laughs) uh, as we'll find out Yeah, in the ensuing decades. Knight Rider the game for PC and PS2 right on time.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's some IP is better than no IP, and they they try to cram as much Knight Rider lore as they can into this game. I mean, you do face off against Carr, the evil Knight Rider. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> of all the things that should have had a good game though especially during the period night rider was on
3: just make it road
0: blasters uh command and conquer generals arrives when a beloved spinoff from command and conquer
3: no cheesy cutscenes. I'm sorry, it's not a Command and <laughs> Conquest game, and yet, unless you have Tim Curry go space.
0: <laughs> uh, and then, and then, lastly, I just want to just lay it down here, like Gr did with uh, Groundhog Day. Nintendo releases the Game Boy Advance SP, an enhanced version of the Game Boy Advance. This is my favorite handheld of all time. It clicks shut. It fits into. All pockets, guy or girl, uh, backlit screen for the first time ever from a Nintendo portable console, which I guess, yeah, that's probably not going to happen again. It might have the biggest roster of games in of any system in history, solely because it can play everything. The Game Boy and its ten year its ten year existence, you can just it's backwards compatible. You can plug in uh, Game Boy Advance games and Game Boy and Game Boy Color games, so you have a huge roster of games. I to this day, threatened to make a project of taking my Game Boy SP, putting in a new lithium battery. Oh, it had a rechargeable battery because these these portables oh. were battery eaters, and that's why they typically didn't include a backlit screen that really, really devoured batteries. So, and it had a rechargeable battery. Uh, I'm tempted to throw in a new hard drive, a new battery, load it up with every game in existence, and just carry that on me instead of a phone. Well, that about wraps up 2003. I'm going to ask Evanescence to take us out from the Daredevil soundtrack with Bring Me to Life. But don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more 2013.
1: Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb.
2: mr mrs internet and all the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watch and for the week of february 10th through 16th i love how this lines up because we just talked about adaptation being a movie that's kind of up its own butt and yet is still entertaining and it's about making movies and oh the trouble of making movies and we have kind of the granddaddy of those in a way that's also kind of up its own butt and it's about making movies. Turning 60 this week is Fellini's Masterpiece Eight and a Half. Not the easiest Fellini to get into, okay? It is a very Fellini ass Fellini film. I would probably start with uh, Nights of Cabiria or La Dolce Vita maybe, but Eight and a Half, trippy as hell, and it is worth a watch. Consistently ranks up there of uh, best movies of all time, but most influential movies of all time oh my god yes because Fellini things are Fellini-esque when they rely on a certain amount of dream logic and feeling expressed visually but not literally and uh Eight and a Half is about Marcello Mastroianni he plays a famous Italian film director and he's got creative block and he doesn't know what he's doing and he had there's weird dream sequences and any tries to work with someone else to come up with ideas and his mistress is there and his wife is there and he doesn't know what he's doing or where he's going with this. If this sounds familiar, we've talked about nine, the musical adaptation that I didn't quite like the film of, but I've heard the play is good, but eight and a half is some, a lot like David Lynch. You kind of can't take it. Literally. You kind of just let it wash over you. It's, it's about the impressions and the feelings it gives you and not literally, Hey, is that a spaceship? So, yeah, eight and a half, turning 60 this week. Woo, yay, World Cinema.
1: And that's it for this week. Stay classy. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb.
0: Coming into 2013 with Inhaler by Foles. Foles? Uh, off of Holy Fire. It is out this week, February 10th to 16th. Welcome to 2013. Other new music releases include This Is How the Wind Shifts by Silverstein, No Love Lost by Joe Budden. Joe Budden. Button raising my gas prices, and the messenger by Johnny Marr. <laughs> thrift Shop by Mclemore and Ryan Lewis featuring Waynes is still number one. A little bit of news to wet your whistle for 2013. Gross. Pope Benedict the 16th announces his resignation. The first pope to resign since 1415. Uh,
3: yeah, boy. half a millennia. It's uh, it's a really big deal and you know how
0: many child rapes they presided over? No one <laughs> resigned.
3: And the same day he announced he would resign, a bolt of lightning struck St. Peter's Cathedral.
2: Mm. <laughs> oh jeez. Oh, oh, I take it back. I take it back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> the pulp will take heart, uh... But he
2: said it was like part of it was for his health, but he just passed away recently. That was he had 10 years there of being Retired Pope.
0: Mm, um, just pulling
2: in Social Security and just sitting <laughs> around in his bathrobe. Man,
0: that Vatican retirement plan, unbelievable.
2: Well, they technically don't have one. Oh. You die.
0: Oh. <laughs> also this week, Angelina Jolie undergoes a preventative double mastectomy. Double beat that, JR, with your single <laughs> mastectomy. Uh, after learning she had an 87% risk of developing breast cancer due to a defective BRCA1 gene. That's uh, what killed her mom. Really?
2: As, yeah breast cancer killed her mom and she inherited that propensity for breast cancer.
0: I didn't And know so
2: that. before she'm she like, I'm, I'm not gonna let my kids go through what I went through. So she got a preventive double mastectomy and all kinds of people are like, well why is she ruining her perfectly good boobs and it's like, because fuck you, that's why. If <laughs> you knew you had an 87% chance of getting the exact thing that killed your parent, Mm -hmm. Uh, you would do whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. I'll chop off my left arm if it's going to buy me 30 years. Fuck you.
0: Okay, okay. And then bringing us into the movies of 2013, February 10th to the 16th, up top we got Thomas Mann, Jeremy Irons, Emery Rossum, uh, Viola Davis, Emma Thompson, Alden uh, Ernreich, and Angel Englert. Is that Baby Driver? No, Alice Englert. uh, And Beautiful Creatures.
2: Oh, good Lord. We're... (sighs) Twilight and Harry Potter are over. What if we mash them up and make another one? Uh, yep.
0: Oh boy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's about like kind of a witchcraft school and forbidden love and it's written and directed by Richard Le Gravenaise, who we talked about. He wrote the Fisher King. He rules. Um, I only listened to the episode of how did this get made about this, where they just constantly complain of, I don't understand the rules for anything. Why? <laughs> Why are they doing that? I don't get it. Oh. Yeah. I just mm. No, whatever. I like all these. I like so many of the people involved and I hope they bought nice things with the money.
0: Oh, I could say the same thing for everyone involved in this. God, you're going to everyone's going to get excited as I read the cast. Craig Robinson, George Lopez, Sofia Vergara, Jane Lynch, Sarah Jessica Parker, William Shatner, Jessica Alba, Rob Corddry and man of the moment, Brendan Fraser in Escape from Planet Earth. Um, a Weinstein animated, animated comedy from the makers of hoodwinked Jesus. (laughs) I've never even heard of this, uh, escape from planet earth.
2: I I heard it was fine for little, little kids, Mm. but that it didn't have a lot to offer everyone else. But yeah, it's about aliens that get stuck here on earth, which, you know, they think is a shitty backwater and they don't know how to get out of here. And yeah, again, Uh, like, yeah, I like all these people involved and I, I hope they got, they bought, you know, a nice greenhouse or something with that.
3: Good <laughs> for them.
2: I yeah, I didn't get around to it, man. I'm just not I'm not gonna.
3: Sorry, didn't get around to it either. I used my dad points on uh, journey.
2: <laughs> Good call.
0: <laughs> and uh, also this week we got Colby Smulders, David Lyons, Julianne Hoff, and uh, Josh Dumel in Safe Haven. It's West Southport.
1: Looks like this. Just a clean slate. I've had things happen to me in the past. Did you hear about his wife? She passed away a few years ago. I'm happy here with you. Do you know this woman?
0: Hey. There's no safer place than here with me. Safe Haven, rated PT-13. Yeah, from the mind of Nicholas Sparks. Let's let's yeah. get some of that notebook money.
2: Yeah, I'm, honestly, I'm surprised we don't have one of these in every segment right now because it's it's Valentine's Day weekend, man. Ah, uh,
0: yes, ah, uh, yes.
2: So, yeah, let's have date movies. This one's, yeah, I didn't get around to it. It's directed by Lasse Hallstrom, who's a director I really, really like. Um, He did Cider House Rules and What's Eating Gilbert Grape and right a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he's a guy who knows what he's freaking doing. And it sounds like it's just kind of the back half of Sleeping with the Enemy, not the <laughs> good parts, just the... And now I've learned to love again in a small town with some non-threatening guy. Oh, boy. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, all all the reviews are like, what do you want? It's schmaltzy as fuck. It's schmaltzy and predictable. And yeah, if you like that sort of thing, you're going to like it. What do you want?
0: I should have texted it's me, Sarah. I guarantee she saw this. But the movie I would have seen, but didn't because, you know, reviews. Number one of the box office and the previous film reprising a role. As Lil McLean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, uh Amory uh, NoLasco, probably a Russian, Kohlhauser, Red Dizigov, Gobukovic, uh you god damn it, Diana, uh, Sebastian Bunch Cook, of Russian guys, Shy Courtney and Bruce Willis, number one this week. Last in the quintology, a good day to die hard.
4: First time in Moscow?
0: Yeah, I came here to see my boy.
1: Jack! Dad? This is what you've been doing? 007 of Plainfield, New Jersey. Mom will be pleased.
2: I guess you've done this before.
0: Die Hard. That was exciting. You wanna go again? So weird, man. Like, how did Die Hard with a Vengeance work and nothing afterwards? I, I thought
2: the... I thought... Live Free or Die Hard slash Die Hard 4.0 was fine. Did you? I was. I ended up liking it more than I thought I would, but I didn't think it was especially good, but I found it watchable. This, the single best thing about this was the tagline on the teaser poster hmm. Yippee Kaye, Mother Russia. That
0: okay. was. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Everything else about this movie can go fuck itself. I did not think Die Hard could be so boring.
3: Right. Okay. an so ugly. Boring. All right. Is my memory correct? Two weeks ago, we had a new Arnold movie. One week ago, we had a new Sly movie. And now, this week, we have a new Die Hard movie, Bruce Willis film. So it's like the 1980s action movies are just throwing everything they can at the 2010s audience Mm. and not getting jack. Because none of those films took off. And I can see this three-week period, this is when action movies died. This is the death of action movies. Death of the 80s took... action movie. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I can I can sort of see it. But I mean, the, I, I was bored into not finishing this. Because it's yeah. it's very strange. Like, the set pieces are huge, but
3: John McClane isn't physically present in any of them. And okay. So this movie does not star John McClane. Yeah. Okay. This movie has Bruce Willis in it. Mm-hmm. I watched this film. I have Die Hard one and two burned into my retinas. This isn't John McClane. Mm-hmm. This is not the character of John McClane I know and love. It's just not. It's it's just a guy wearing a John McClane mask.
0: And I I think even beyond that, because I mean maybe it would. I mean it's got to be. Due to his age at this point, it is how many years from Vengeance? Like sixteen years, twenty-six years, Mm, ninety-seven. Vengeance
2: is like ninety-seven. Yeah. Uh,
0: John McClane is known for getting the shit kicked out of him and like Mm -hmm. being a mouthy motherfucker. Bruce Willis is just cool. It's like the character he plays outside of Die Hard movies. Mm-hmm. He's not mm-hmm. John McClane, and it just was fucking pointless. He's this silly little Sherpa in a situation he doesn't have any idea what he's doing or where he's going. It's it's a dumb story.
2: Yeah, what's so I, I, weird you know, is mm-hmm. previous Die Hard, specifically Die Hard with a Vengeance, was a existing script that people like that they turned into a Die Hard movie. It almost yeah. turned into a Lethal Weapon movie, famously. And... I thought maybe that was the case with this one. Like, was this a pre existing script and they retrofit it? And it turns out, no, this was purpose built. Yeah. But it really doesn't, like, there's nothing diehard going on here.
0: So, where's the diehard? I was reminded watching it of one of those Kevin Smith talks. And I I forget which special it is, but it's like he takes one question What is it like to work with Bruce Willis and talks for 90 minutes? (laughs) And, and, he was talking about being on the set of Liffrey and Die Hard when they were getting along. He had a cameo. Also in Daredevil, didn't mention that. That when Bruce Willis would throw his weight around, he's like, look, man, is John McTiernan here? Shane Black here? I'm the only guy that's been... in." Involved in all the Die Hard movies, so do what the fuck I say. What leads you to believe Bruce Willis has any I- real idea of what makes a Die Hard movie work more than a, a writer or a producer or a director? I'm not sure that he does, and it is it is weird in that there's a franchise where nobody is left who was ever involved in it to work on it. And you can see, like... I, yeah, this this was given a release date with no script. <laughs> I would guess just oh, a premise.
4: Never good. That's yeah. never good. Yeah,
0: they yeah, this is just bad all the way and yep. Man, I was reading like uh, you know, I I don't want to shit on Bruce Willis cuz like uh he's f- Forcibly retired from acting, so for all intents and purposes, that John McClane is no longer available to us, but this drove the nail in the coffin uh, of the the sixth Die Hard, which was half prequel. Oh, I'm so glad it didn't happen, and uh, (laughs) apparently it got lost in the kerfuffle of the Disney-Fox buyout, and... It's just off the table now. But whatever, like those first three movies, yeah, dude who gets the shit kicked out of him, puts themselves in deadly situations. It's odd to see him firing this much automatic weapons and like, when did you become yeah, a ballistics it expert? Fit,
3: okay, John McClane should be outgunned, yeah, outmanned. He shouldn't have a giant ass bazooka at one yeah. point, I think, yeah. or something mm. like that, where he's just like laying waste to everything. That, that's not that's not diehard yeah and yeah. it's like
0: it, it even like john the whole purpose of john mcclain well the, the first diehard is like watching him like look smirkingly around la because it's so different from new york and you know i guess it is but not as much as his face is conveying and like they don't do any of that with russia like let's play around with john mcclain in a different c- city no we don't want to he's just going to show up in front of his son who's on a covert spy mission and his dad found him his his dad found him without calling (laughs) it's it's so preposterous and every single like there are like the biggest stunts and explosions in any diehard movie but you do not feel that john mcclain is in any of those scenes with those cinematic moments
2: and i don't care about his son or anyone else no no. They have no character the, whatsoever. Sorry, Jai Courtney.
3: B- before I watched this, I actually thought the son was Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I, I don't know why, because I, I I never went to see this. It was just background. It's like, oh, another Die Hard movie. And for whatever reason, my mind just filled it in. Well, obviously, his son is going to be Shia. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have a photographic memory, but I I don't think we've seen the son since 1988. Like a uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was in the previous movie, but like mm. he's got little kids in Die Hard, and just uh,
2: yeah. And I think, well, I mean, the first one, I think, do we we see them in a picture, and like
0: that's no, you see them being babysat. It. Oh, I is think, they? I think Are so. You yeah, think,
2: you might be thinking of the second
0: one, maybe, maybe, but like uh, just no mention of it. They try and fill in the gaps of like what kind of father Bruce Willis is, but it doesn't make a ton of sense. Like if he's reconnecting with his daughter, like you just have no idea where your son is or what he's doing. Okay. You have no idea he's an international spy, but you found well, him in yeah. Russia.
3: It's yeah. it's it's just movie. It's the price you pay to see a new Die Hard. You know what they what they should have done is that they should have rebooted the series because in the original Die Hard novel. John McClane is like in his 60s when he's at Tommy oh, wow. Plaza. They they were originally going to cast a 70-year-old Frank Sinatra to be <laughs> in Die diehard. Yeah,
2: no, they were contra- contractually obligated because they had adapted another book from the same series as mm-hmm. The Detective starring Frank Sinatra. And so they were contractually obligated. If you ever make another, another story in this series, you have to give him right of first refusal.
3: Oh, yeah. And, and I...
2: Frank Sinatra, he could have said yes.
3: <laughs> yeah and the original Die Hard was a lot more the novel a lot more ambiguous than the film at the huh. end of the novel uh, john mcclain is like i don't know if this was a mistake i don't know if i should have just let these guys take the money maybe i did cause a whole lot of damage without it being worth it and <laughs> don't think about it no that, that's in the <laughs> novel that's in the novel i would have loved to have seen a hard reboot of the series with bruce willis as an old man playing John McClane as the old man he was in the novel with a lot more ambiguity. I think that could have been interesting. This is not interesting. There no, was no redeeming no. value in this. This is a horrible end to the die hard series. Yep. I know they're gonna reboot it sometime because don't bother. they will. It's such, they a, know cool they will, name,
0: such yeah. a cool I name. Know, I know they will, but, but like you were saying reboot it and I was just going to profess like what die hard did well, man, like every other action movie is just taken like yeah. the, the, mm-hmm. every other action movie. Like, so if you reboot it, it's just another die hard rip off basically like with the name die hard. There's, there's no point, no point. And it, it, it just, they're, they're, they're classic as they are. Uh, they paved the way for a, almost every action movie we see today, like, uh, Shit, I was, what did I watch with Hugh Jackman getting the shit kicked out of him? Oh, it was Logan. Of course it was. <laughs> but yeah, like it, almost every... John McClane is a great character, a guy who falls ass backwards into adventure and gets the shit ripped out of him. You love seeing that from people now, from your action heroes nowadays. But fuck this movie. It's it just, oh, and it's so drab.
3: I know yeah. it's Russia,
0: but like, I'm pretty sure they have more than orange and teal lighting. I, <laughs> I've, I yeah, I watched Chernobyl. Uh, yeah, the, the
3: whole plot of this movie is actually uh, that they want to make sure the bad Russians don't come to power because if the bad Russians come to power, it's going to be international chaos and they're going to start some war. That's, oh, that's literally what the plot is in this film.
2: Yeah. Wow, what fantastical nonsense!
0: Uh, moving on to television of 2013, uh, February 10th to the 16th. This is a big one. Comcast announces it will purchase the remaining 49% stake of NBC Universal from general Electric for $16.3 billion, ending 27 years of GE's ownership of NBC, which is still bizarre to think about. Just the (laughs) light bulb people buying, (laughs) buying NBC
3: because entertainment's not as big as we think it is, you know, compared to light bulbs, which, you know, everyone needs just free entertainment is not that huge.
0: I think, all of this is wonderfully embodied in 30 Rock as mm-hmm. as Cable Town. The Cable Town storyline is so fucking funny and such a FU to this whole stupid thing. But I think we probably need to look back at this as the beginning of the big corporate mergers mm-hmm. because uh, there used to be laws in place that said, You couldn't, a TV station couldn't make all of its entertainment. You had to contract out to other studios. What do you do? Universal didn't have a network. They were making television shows for all the networks. And then NBC buys them up, tells them what to do. And every other company is forced to compete with a company this size. So you're just going to see more and more mergers after this. This is pretty big oh no, I guess I'm thinking of NBC Universal in general more more so yeah. than Comcast because Comcast is like
2: everyone hates Comcast. Everyone <laughs> hates them,
0: and and in where I live, a competing, much cheaper, more reliable fiber network came on, and everybody is dumping them. Like they don't even they didn't even own content back then. Like they own mm-hmm. like the E channel, like. Um, <laughs> And, and G4, like th- that's the channels that Comcast owns. Like, uh, so they, I think they needed some kind of inventory if they wanted the cable business to last. I don't know. I don't know where it's at. I'll shut up. Let's talk about the Grammys. I, what? What's up?
3: I don't know if this was profitable or not. I mean, Me has the last 10 years been worth $16, 16 billion. 3 billion for just the remaining stake?
0: Ooh. Yeah. I, I could not mm. tell you. I could not tell you because I'm reading all about that with the WWE deal being for sale because you're not really buying something to make you money. You're buying something to save you money. But its only value is what it gets from the company like you who pays them. So if you buy it and it's no longer receiving a licensing fee, is it worth a goddamn dime? (laughs) So like, holy shit, it's weird to think about. I'm glad I don't work on that level. How about the Grammys 10 years ago? The Grammys. Who's hosting? LL Cool J. L.O. Cool J. I fucking hate the
2: They They really love Mumford & Sons and Fun this year. Wow. Uh, Babble by Mumford & Sons wins Album of the Year. Somebody I used to know by Gautier wins Record of the Year. I still don't understand the difference there. Song of the Year, We Are Young, Fun featuring Janelle Monae. And Best New Artist is Fun, beating Alabama Shakes, Frank Ocean, Hunter Hayes, and the Lumineers.
0: Yay. Eh. What one comedy. I'm guessing Louis C.K. Something regrettable. That's (laughs) uh <laughs> good question that's typically the only thing i care fallon. about
2: jimmy fallon one
0: for what jimmy fallon blow has an your album pants off
2: blow your pants off by jimmy fallon yep what on
0: earth all right and mm-hmm. then also this beat, week it
2: beat denacious d and jim gaffigan and kathy griffin and lewis black
0: the f- for something i never all right all right i'm done being angry at 2013 <laughs> Now we got to talk seriously about Freak Show debuting on AMC, a show I thought was an animated program on Comedy Central, but it's <laughs> what Freak Show. It? No,
3: this is a reality show oh, God, about, God. I don't know if there's a better term for it, freaks at a circus.
4: Geeks. Oh. oh.
0: Okay. Yeah. Real Todd Browning-esque, I guess. Uh, I, don't right. I don't know anything about this.
3: Nope. Um, and then Zero Hour debuts on ABC. It's another supernatural thriller. Uh, you got to prevent a global disaster as you race to open the mystery box. Mm, Guaranteed. Um, I thought
2: it was the movie that Airplane is based off of.
3: <laughs> I understood that <laughs> reference.
0: Uh, and then also this week we have the Black Mirror episode Be Right Back. Which one is that? Oh, this is, this is the
3: one... second
2: season. We're getting into the second season now.
3: Yeah, I think so. This is the one where a woman's husband dies. So she pays a company to download all of his social media posts and create an artificial intelligence that will act and respond like her dead husband. And it's another one of those great black mirror things because I can absolutely see this coming down the pipeline 100%. We've already got open chat GPT. I can definitely see people feeding, just give us all your emails from your husband or wife and all their social things. And here's the computer program that'll act like him that's not that far away. It's really not. It's going to happen mm-hmm. in this decade and it's opening up a lot of questions, is this the best way to deal with grief? But it also opens a lot of questions about the person we are online <laughs> isn't necessarily the real us. Gonna say you know? like if
0: you if you're going through my emails and trying to get a personification of me, you would think I'm only angry about my website being broken. And that was that's about all you'd clean. <laughs> and he subscribes to too many streaming services.
2: I was going to say, I don't remember my husband saying tits or GTFO so often.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But it's a great episode. I highly recommend Black Mirror. And oh, yes. I was ridiculously old before I realized what Black Mirror was.
0: Yes. Ah. Your Mm -hmm. what you see in your phone when the screen's off,
3: right? Mm -hmm. Yep, that's it. And I did not get that. That's a weird name. Uh, (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. And I think this is the final BBC season, and Netflix would pretty much take it. It, I I looked at. Yes, it's it's Netflix would kind of take the reins of Black Mirror after this season. A show I haven't been able to complete because I love the Twilight Zone, but there's always like a smirk of humor or levity. Of which Black Mirror typically has none. It's just
3: <laughs> no. Dour. I'd say Black Mirror is darker than The Twilight. Oh side. yeah. Oh yeah. But oh, it's yeah. but it's
0: still phenomenal. Like almost every episode I've ever yeah, seen th- is
3: phenomenal. I again, I do the speed watch thing. I looked up a list: ten best Black Mirror episodes of all times. I've only watched those, and I've been immensely satisfied. I mean, just, there's
0: only like twenty episodes still, so it's like it's you can <laughs> yeah. get through them. Uh, it just it is in my opinion unbingeable <laughs> unbingeable yeah
2: i ever i need to watch each one separately and then kind of contemplate it for a while i can't back to back them yeah Yeah, and
0: that's lastly we got the games of 2013 uh t- february 10th through the 16th another brain age concentration training for the 3DS the wait is it brain a- brain age brain age is the nintendo one that really kind of skirted on i would say almost illegally we will fix your brain and yeah, prevent Alzheimer's lead. they
3: actually got sued for that yeah. they said, <laughs> they said uh, this is this is great for your brain health and they went okay we're, we're the government you're making health claims show us your data that's been peer reviewed <laughs> and I, I want
0: to say like after a while I think every brain age included just Sudoku because Sudoku yeah. Yeah. there had been better studies about that there's just a Sudoku in every brain age
2: that's that's literally what I used it for Michael got it for me or he got it free or something and it was just like oh it's it's where i can play sudoku i mean <laughs> i never did anything
0: because else it, it it wasn't exactly fun you get the feeling like you're a fucking lab rat every time you play it. <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> but 2013 was too late for brain age okay yeah. brain age was huge in that brief window of the ds before the iphone took over right. everything mm. and that's when it really dominated and by 2013 it was like you're you're being out competed by far too much on this uh iPhone thing to to have your moment again. That moment is gone. Yeah, this would be the last
0: brain age for like 7 years. It was over. But also this week we got Omerta, City of Gangsters for PC and 360. Omerta. As
3: far back as I can remember, I wanted to play a gangster in a video game that was good, and this is not that game. Oh boy. <laughs>
2: I thought I'd go from eggs <laughs> to cheese. I'm sorry. People always say the line, and I want to hear the song after the
0: line. Uh, yes, I want to hear it too. Also, lastly, we have on PC Empire with an I. Empire is that a small empire, empire or an empire of small yeah, people?
3: It's another dungeon management sim that tries to be dungeon yeah. keeper and fails.
0: <sighs> okay. Well thank you Empire for closing out the show with a whimper not unlike the Die Hard series but we're going to tell you in a second who died during this period of 30 2010 and a fun quiz you can play along with on who uh was born during this period I have been sweeping as of late I don't mind saying
4: I'm
0: doing well. uh and but I got to tell you thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash time new episodes of stuff coming soon uh tons of great stuff for you to enjoy so there's oh, hundreds of extra podcasts over there all we ask is uh five bucks price of a cup of coffee in a city without a control inflation um and (laughs) and you can support your favorite podcast network in the in the world uh laser time and let's not forget video game apocalypse this this week which we're talking about adapted open worlds when you were a little kid did you ever be like i just want to live and run around in this world Not necessarily shoot everything in it. What were those games? A world you wanted to exist in game form, open style. And we're doing our best to find the best, even as we record. Anyway, uh, die. where can folks find you at?
2: They can find me on the Twitter at listeningerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, It's 302010podcast. Boy, we talked about a lot of comedy this week. I mean, really, we talked about one of the great comedies. Oh, Groundhog Day. Yeah. We have two pretty yeah. solid yeah. solid cultish comedies mm-hmm. that I can summarize in two lines. Let's start with We're Going Streaking. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll follow that up with 10 years earlier with Give Me Some Sugar Baby.
3: Yeah. Oh uh, <laughs> shit. I'm excited. Damn. And, and and we have the premiere of My Favorite Network sci-fi TV series of all time. Can't be Farscape. That's about to end. Nope.
0: <laughs> but what's we better have, than
3: Farscape? Um, we have the end of HBO's prison drama. Oh, <laughs> oh no. that was so silly. Oh, I'll...
2: They lived happily ever after. <laughs>
3: exactly.
0: <laughs> Nobody was murdered and, or sexually and, assaulted.
3: And Homer gives up beer. Oh
0: boy. Can't wait. Uh cannot wait. Well, with that out of the way, Diana, who died during this period of thirty twenty ten? tenth is the,
2: well, the only the only thing entity that we lost that I found was in 2003 we lost Dolly the sheep who was six that is half the lifespan that was expected of a sheep <laughs> of her kind but she was the the first living animal cloned from adult cells. So they thought did that have something to do with it? Like was she born like already six years old? No, she just she got a respiratory uh disease and she died. And oh. she's been stuffed and she's at a a hosp or no a university now. You can visit her. That's
0: so weird. What are you gonna say as a scientist, like this is a disaster, or like six years? We did it. <laughs> this thing lived. <laughs> uh, holy shit, six years. It's the longest living clone sheep of all time. Well
2: Whatever, good for her.
0: That's it, but with that out of the way, what do we have coming up next, Jr.? We have the birthday quiz! Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a
3: ding-dong-doodly-dooly-ding-dong-doo. Born in Cleveland, Ohio, Drew, February... Drew Carey! No. Oh. <laughs> that would have been awesome amazing. If that was it. Born February 12th, 1956... He said he sought out attention he wasn't getting it at home by performing Magic Show. In 1989, he released Name Redacted, because it would give it away, presents Chunky A, Large and in Charge, a hybrid rap and comedy album that cast him as a rapper and spoken word lyricist. Chunky A was his own younger brother.
0: Is it Joe Piscopo? No. Joe Piscopo? Hmm. How old
3: are Phil?
2: they now? If 56? they're born in. Well, what'd you say? 56? 1956.
0: 60 something? Mm hmm.
3: Mm hmm. Not doing any So, here. 60, uh, seven. Mm. 67. 67. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, movies of his we've talked about include Black Dynamite, Igor. Nope. John Q Uh No. No. Oh. <laughs> it's going to get a lot easier now. Harlem Knights. Oh, Amazon, is it Eddie Murphy? Women, no, it is not.
2: Oh, no, it is. Oh, shit. Um,
3: Amazon whatever. Women on the Moon. Arsenio oh. Hall. Arsenio.
0: The streak uh, remains.
2: I was running through the cast so far, and I'm like, it's not Della Reese, It's not Red Fox. Wait. <laughs> 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 Arsenio.
0: And then of course, damn.
3: Coming to America. And, of course, mm-hmm. he hosted a late-night talk show, but that would have been two weeks.
0: Yes. The blank, blank damn. show. Arsenio Hall, (laughs) a guy I very much don't hate but don't like either. I,
3: like I, I don't him? know I, I loved his talk show growing up Did I don't you? know anything else about the man
0: yeah I wasn't watching yeah. any talk shows back then and then just no. yeah I just didn't see anything in his talk show that like made him seem like an exceptional talk show host that, other than his guests were well, awesome
2: yeah that's, his guests that's, were that's, awesome and he, he was super disarming and he would get them yeah. to say things that like they forgot the crowd was there he got
0: they would I love the say. he, never he got Jim show. Henson to curse with a Muppet which <laughs> which like
2: I <laughs> love you know
0: that yeah, like that that's insane. And he like has a like legitimate, thoughtful interview with Macho Man Randy Savage. No. <laughs> well, that's oh, I
2: point. just saw that He's clip here. about Macho Man cries all the time. Macho Man cries all the time. <laughs> he
3: yeah. was a good interviewer. He had good ah. interview skills. Yeah. It's always Absolutely. tough going back and
0: watching monologues from that period. So I do not typically, but yeah. No,
3: well, I mean,
2: yeah.
3: Monologues are moments in time. True. They're not meant to be watched ten. 20 or 30 years later
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know uh, but yeah happy birthday arsenio may you get another talk show on whatever new streaming network is starting this fall thank <laughs> you guys so much for listening can't thank you enough thank you uh for for being patrons at patreon.com slash laser time thanks for telling a friend about the show i know you did all those we're so proud of you and with that we're gonna close out in the silver of the night by Boys to Men. A cover from 1956 has been on the charts, uh, the 90s charts for months. At this point, we haven't had a chance to play it. So
2: it's been there for so long, and it's like always in the top five. And it's like, guys, look, I like Boys to Men too, but we're, this one, this, this is yeah. the one everyone loves. Okay, okay.
0: What a needless sure. cover. We're gonna play it anyway. No, uh, no shenanigans, promise. We'll see you next week.
1: Then put your. We can't fly.